I haven't seen you since the play. Yahoo! Them all. Um, uh, this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies. <laughs> we're not uh, talking we... about the finale of WandaVision? I... You can't. I You're... mean, we ran out of time. We talked about it, this for 25 minutes. We so, did. one time. Two, I'm having a real rough time at work, and I don't want to just be <laughs> yelled at for disrespecting Kevin Feige's vision. <laughs> you know? I don't... I don't want... <laughs> You're like... I don't want... <laughs> I'm like, I don't want the MCU <laughs> cult to bear down upon me because I was like, yeah, they could have paid off some of these storylines a little bit better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, like, like, my, like, my elbow pads on. I'm like ready to get into a tussle about it. <laughs> no, I would just prefer to avoid it. Uh, uh, you know, if you and Daddy Host want to record something at some point, like that's fine. Like next week, if you want to talk for 20 minutes, I will play my Nintendo Switch. Um, I just don't. I just feel <laughs> like I'd rather. I will say the underlings. <laughs> I will say this, when they focus on Wanda and Vision and the relationship between those two characters, it was a very good show. Uh, <laughs> when it's about throwing different colors of laser beam at each other, I'm a little, I'm a little less interested in steel magic being stolen. Uh, but we, uh, simply, uh, won't address it here, uh, today. Uh, for time. Oh no, I, oh, I, oh darn. We're My clever scheme to I get you talking possibly make it work. Could not make it fit in. Oh, oh too bad. We had to talk about yeah. <laughs> oh we culture have to get to puppets on community. That's such a better topic. <laughs> <laughs> what a hell of an episode for you to pull that excuse. I mean, granted, we'll take it. We'll take Whoops. it. Uh, I mean, you and I just talked for 25 minutes about whatever the fuck. So, you know, okay. I think we got time covered. Um, good. Yeah, that was my clever plan <laughs> to, oh, to get us talking. That's why you brought up the AIDS crisis, you asshole. <laughs> no, it spun organically out of talking about a, uh, a conversation about trans identity and media. And I used that. <laughs> It's very different. I did not bait you, but I took the opening that I saw. <laughs> You're like, wait, get the trans kid to start talking. They won't shut the fuck up. Uh, you know, uh, if I'm grading the show as a whole, you know, three and a half stars, the stuff I liked, I really liked, and then I just think it kind of lost its way. Um, anyway. <laughs> I will chime in and say I will give it a solid eh, 4.2. I, 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 maybe, maybe higher. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know that like we have disagreements on like how certain plot lines played off, but or didn't, yes, or didn't, right? In, <laughs> uh, right. Indeed. Um, I, I, I just for me going in, I was like, okay, what do I want, and what do I know they're going to have to do? Like I went in and I was like, okay, the entire purpose of Wandavision is so they can bring the Vision back. Ugh, and I hate and that. you hated that, right? <laughs> Because right, it, that like, was what I didn't want. Rest of the end, <laughs> but it was like that was the point of the show, so of course they were gonna do it. But like, I but it, the rest of the show though was Feige being like, take this Scorsese, you know, <laughs> like literally being like, and he failed to oh. take the Scorsese. 
he tried and it did not go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did not go. Like, there's no emotion, no psychology. He's like, I'll give you psychology. What if grief is just love persevering? And Scorsese's like, great, I bought that on a Hallmark card 20 years ago. And then Kevin Feige's like, yeah, but what about that ship metaphor I made? And it was like, you didn't invent that. That's a like, well, we've talked about this with Star Wars for 20 years now. That's a very standard metaphor. I like the, it's a good use of it, but I'm like, that's, that's thought experiment 101. That's, well, I uh, liked it. So, I, I know y'all liked are talking. It. I know I didn't join the call to hear y'all talking shit about the ship of Theseus. No, that was what I liked. No, we that liked was the that good. Uh, we are, we are. Uh, you, you missed it so far. We are not doing a one division thing because we've already talked for like thirty minutes. No, that's um, but just my wrap up thoughts were: I will say this. I fell in love with the first two episodes. I was like, this is a show for me and has all these elements that are exactly my shit and then I watched over the next eight episodes as those elements were slowly pulled out of the show and were barely remembered to be put in there um but uh, you know hot uh, take on it cool yeah, three, no, three, no. Kevin's, three... Kevin's got the spiciest take I've ever heard. Yeah, my five. spicy take, it's a 3.5 out of 5. <laughs> I wanted it to be a 4.5, it's a 3.5. Literally, it's That's so funny. I'm like, I, like when I final take. episode came out, I'm, you know, I check all my social media, I'm like, okay, now it's safe to look. And I see so many people being like, okay, this is clearly the best piece that the MCU has. You know, they're like, this is my new favorite, like, piece from the MCU. Also, Kevin takes a sip of whatever alcohol he's got in his Moscow mug. I was just thirsty. <laughs> I was just, this is Curious this is my mule queen. mug. This is my Moscow mule mug. I was just thirsty. I'm not sipping the tea. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just enjoying a, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying a drink I fixed for myself. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, That's all I was doing. How dare I? How dare I? How dare you, libation? That's this is exactly why I was trying to not talk about one division. Because I know me being like, they could have done some things more effectively was going to be like, Jacques, monsieur. <laughs> well, for what uh, it's worth, you Kim, for what it's worth, Kim, for the last, like, week, you have been Mr. Jacques. So, like, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. You've been the one that's like, nope, that idea is stupid. Your idea is stupid. <laughs> This is Kevin stupid. Did, what did that do? Kevin, you say, and I quote, if that's correct, I will go to the corner store, buy crow, and fucking eat it. Yeah, homie's been on some fucking levels for a fucking minute. So, so sorry. Because Daddy Host like, came oh, in with a tinfoil like hat weird. week after week. I don't <laughs> I mean, know what wait, to do. Look, as the person in the middle of this, I will say, Kevin, damn, Caleb, damn, dude. Those were bad theories. <laughs> no, man, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What people forgot in the year and a half we didn't get Marvel content is that Marvel content has always been a breeding ground for fantastical fan theories because we don't know how they're using the source material. Right. I love this show mostly because it was a, it was that returned, but it was that returned after an 18-month hiatus. So the theories were fucking out there. Absolutely and fuck insane. me yeah. for being like, wouldn't that be cool? I like that theory. I like that. Did I think any of them were going to come true? Absolutely not. But that's how Marvel movies oh, go. Oh, he says now. He says 
now. That's how that's how Marvel I'm just movies go. You. That's how I, Marvel I, movies go. You sit there and go, "Oh my God, what if Vision becomes the Gray? What if the Mind Stone leaves him and becomes the sentient form of the Mind Stone that was a walking, talking person who ate Thanos in that one comic book? Like that, <laughs> that shit's wild. Did I think it was gonna sure. happen? No. But am I gonna talk like it's gonna happen? Absolutely. Yeah, because sure. that talk. makes me sure. happy. Exactly. That makes I'm, better podcast as well. Yeah, sure. And like, <laughs> it's like the Star Wars. It's like the Star like Wars. Go with it. <laughs> it's like the Star Wars movies, but yeah. minus the toxicity right now. And I love that because the Star Wars movies sure. are like, yo, but what if, but what if, but what if? And then Star Wars does the thing in the movie and people are like, you fucking ruined my childhood. And Marvel's in this really interesting and comfortable place where they can open up the ground for a bunch of theories and then go, but this is the story we're telling. And people are like, you know what? That fucking rocks. Like, that's dope. I'm fine with that. I'm it's fine one of with things, that. I feel like that applies really well. The one thing I remember we talked about was that, like, Kevin, I know you were very much like, I don't want Vision to stay. I want Vision to die. And I knew immediately, right, that when they said, hey, we're doing a show called WandaVision after we all watched Vision die, I said, okay, there's a, there are a few things that yeah. are going to happen because of this. One, they don't want to lose Paul Bettany. So I mean, he's two, great. He's sure. fucking amazing. So two, we're getting the vision back. It was the whole point of WandaVision was to tell a great story and to bring vision back. And like, on the one hand, also, it's like, what also, white cool vision, for? white vision, isn't vision gone or isn't vision back even. Exactly. Like, I have a really, I, like, that's I feel was really like, good about the future of vision because like homie's not going to be the same. Exactly. Because the vision we get in this doesn't realize he fucking died twice in Gamora five minutes. at the end of Endgame. It's like, yeah, it, she's Gamora, yeah. but she does not have any of the same memories. The, the movies have figured out the way the comics figured out how to reboot characters, and they did it in a far more subtle way, a far less subtle way. They just went, look, it's a new one. And, like, that allows them to act like it's from from the start. And, like, is that perfect? Nah. But no, do I and like I... Yeah. But I think also, Paul Bettany—Paul Bettany being a little more unhinged, uh, not unhinged so much as like less the guy, that's less just human. like an AI, and then like immediately in love, and mm-hmm. now he's gonna go back to being an AI who like has to remember that he was in love, but may not be that dude anymore. Right. That's awesome. That's I think awesome. I'm hoping that they bring him back in a way where he like doesn't know how to lie anymore. Right? Like true to that. Um... Yeah, um, I want it... the liar, liar version of this. Ooh, but like the one from <laughs> what was the, what is it? The Tom, You're welcome, Tom, Ken. The Tom King run is that the one where he's got the whole family? Is it? Yeah, the Tom King, uh, Gabriel Hernandez, Walter Vision series. They make a huge point on the fact that Vision doesn't lie, and then very clearly, like Vision has a kind of like a facetious sense of humor in One Division. So I'm excited to see it. Maybe they'll bring that element into it. But like, I, it's. The, the thing is, the other thing we talked about, uh, Kevin, that I actually agree with, it would be so fucking what? cool if they were like, <laughs> what? It would be so fucking huh? cool if these characters died and then they only came back like 10 years later. The problem is this, th- they've been. I, I know that actors have like lifespans, you yeah. know, so if you're going <laughs> yeah, to use Paul, yeah. now's the time. My, my counter would be, everything. well, don't. Right. I mean, my counter would be, well, don't. Okay, because, like, none of my disappointment has to do with, like, fan theories not paying off. Because I think fan theories are fun as long as you don't get mad when they don't happen. You know? Like, that's... that we didn't get Nightmare or Kathan or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could not add another extraneous element that didn't need to be in this show to this show. Uh, That is the thing we didn't need. But, like, 
I will say that between <laughs> Infinity War and now, we have killed, uh, and I'm not counting the, the snap, we have killed Vision, we have killed Gamora, we have killed Black Widow, we have killed Tony Stark, we have killed Vision again, and we have killed Wanda's kids. And only one of those people is not currently running around. <laughs> like, only... Two. That is my issue. Two. That is, that is like, it's it's a bad... What They're taking the bad lessons from bad comics and and that's that's the well, issue black well, black widow's not back this black widow movie is a is a prequel okay but like she dies and then we get a movie about her like it's it's they of course it, because a, i play i setting up, that was, setting up the new black widow which is gonna be florence is gonna be her sister right i also i mean like i i think it's really smart of them to go back and do black widow for a few reasons one because we just end, ended this massive saga, and it's going to be a perfect tie-in to this new movement that they're moving forward with to kind of pull in a reference to this massive thing that they've pulled off. Additionally, um, the before Feige was in charge of literally everything, I don't even remember the other guy's name. Was, Ike Perlmutter. Yeah, a sexist little shithead who said, nobody wants to see a superhero movie. Oh yeah, that I guy mean. sucks. I'm not defending this guy. So there, there's a, <laughs> we, we didn't get... A Black Widow movie when we 100% should have. So like I'm right. mad it's, we're getting it, hit, you know. It's not any one element. It's that I just listed like six of them right in a row. That's my my issue here, and that like um, at least for these last two projects, One Division and and Spider Man Far From Home, it is impossible to enjoy them unless you are also like trying to solve Kevin Feige's big plan. And that's not what I'm interested in. And I'm not going to tell anybody that that's bad because a lot of people seem to enjoy it, but it's making it so that I can't enjoy these pieces as yeah. much as I would like to. That's, that's it. That's I think, all. yeah, it's, are you trying, are you watching it as like the individual movie or are you watching it as like this massive universe building? Exactly. And I like to watch it. You know, I, I put out the pitch to do a show where we talk about episodes of old sitcoms. You know, I like to watch a piece of media and be able to analyze it within itself. And some like context on either side is good, but I like to be able to sit down and analyze something. And so it's like, it's impossible to feel satisfied with Monica Rambeau on this show unless you go, well, in two years, she's going to be in this. It's impossible to feel satisfied with um, Agatha Harkness because you're like, well, I kind of wanted them to do like the Wanda show. And this just feels like... It's just like, so hard it's to not... remove yourself from that lens though. Personally, at least for me, like when I watch any sure. of this stuff, I'm going to be like... Like, the, the the Monica sign-off at the end was, like, just full. The thing that, okay, and this is this is a really interesting discussion that we probably should save for another time, but I'm going to go into it really quick. The intertextual nature of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? People within, like, movies and TV right now are obsessed with, like, trying to get this intertextual kind of thing, right? Disney's doing all these remakes of their old cartoons as live action, and they make references to the original, and it, it they pl these texts play off of each other. The thing that makes the MCU so awesome is that they're the ones that are nailing it. They're the ones that are getting it. And that's, that's why when we see Evan Peters show up as a mm. fake Pietro... 
it's such an awesome moment, even though it's literally a red herring. It's just an Easter egg. But it's because of the lens that we've been trained into for a literal decade, you know? And I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, you, to a certain extent, yes, it's it's two viewing styles. It's, it's watch this by itself, but at the same time, in order to, to watch it by itself, I almost feel like for most viewers, maybe there's some, you know, there's newer viewers who haven't watched a lot of the other stuff, and that's cool, but a lot of it is about, like, they've been brought up and stuff like that into into context. That's an act of removing of the lens that we've been trained into. You know what I mean? It's Right, these movies train you to watch them like Easter egg hunts, and I'm not even like necessarily saying that as a bad thing Mm -hmm. but that's what they do and that has slowly built from colson and iron man one working for shield and has gradually steamrolled into we're gonna have monica rambeau on this show and she's not even gonna do anything like that is like that is where she didn't do anything at this one get a wait until you see captain marvel (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm not watching Captain Marvel 2 in 2022. I'm watching WandaVision. Captain Marvel the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just she wait until you see child. Captain Marvel where she's a baby. <laughs> she's a soyon bebe. Um, so that's, and, you know, I just, the way I like to consume media, it's impossible right now. And I'm willing for, like, one of these to come along and surprise me. But I'm like, what I like about fucking Thor Ragnarok is that, like, Valkyrie, who is a similar sized part to Monica Rambeau on this show, and the runtimes of both of these, like this movie and this show, are pretty equivalent. That, like, what they did with Monica is if they had introduced Valkyrie, they had given her a stylish backstory, they had established her direct connection to the lead of the movie, and then she hadn't shown up the end to the fight and had been like, see ya in Thor 4. <laughs> and I was like, ah! But that's okay if everyone else enjoyed it. I'm not mad. I Everyone's fine. I was just, I'm, it's just, we consume media different ways. Yeah. And it's, it's, just, it's, it's just, funny to it, me that you're expecting the Marvel Universe to do something it hasn't ever done. <laughs> like What, pay off character arcs that it starts? No, no, it's real good at introducing. No, it does that a lot. It's real good at introducing characters that don't really mean anything for a couple of movies. Wanda and Vision are literally the definition of that. They didn't really have character arcs until they got their own show. Every other I would they had disagree. Really accurate. Wanda, Every other thing Wanda they had has a... Some closet shit. Nah, anyway, go ahead. I mean, that was, that was really it. I mean, like, Age of Ultron oh. is ostensibly not about them. They're in it, and Quicksilver dies, and it's dumb. I don't think he should have died in that movie where he gets introduced. Joss. And but they, I also didn't miss him because it wasn't a very good performance. So I, I was think, like, bye. Well, <laughs> bye, buddy. Here's the other thing, though, and this is actually a pretty uh, neat little thing. Speedsters, dude, speedsters are just so OP. It's insane. Like, seriously, you're OP. Need nerf. Flash OP. <laughs> That's why every season of The Flash, he fights another fast guy. Because you're like, what do you do against a fast guy? <laughs> He's yeah, so and then fast. one season they're like, fuck, okay, what are we going to do now? We're going to be like, uh, there's this guy that, like, if you're near him, your dark matter doesn't work, so then people don't have their powers. Because if you're super fast and you can throw lightning, oh, that's the flash. But, like, when you're that fast, yeah. we're basically, like, if we're even, like, looking at, like, the way the Fox pr- represented them, where you can basically move so fast that time is stopped, which effectively, effectively means that you also can manipulate time, right? Like, no one can stop you. Whenever I watch a fight scene with a speedster... This was actually one of my few complaints about um, WandaVision, although I could, if I wanted to, 
you know, squared away, be like, well, he, he wasn't used to these powers and, you know, he got caught off guard. But anytime there's a fight scene with a speedster and a non-speedster and somehow a non-speedster gets the jump on them, I'm like, that's bullshit. That would never How did... happen. <laughs> How did when this Monica happen? When Monica Rambeau pulls the, the boner guy, you know, who <laughs> still has boner. <laughs> boner, who still has speed <laughs> at this point in time and knocks him on the ground, I'm like, damn, what? She's got super, She's got super speed too, though. Does she really? Yeah, Spectrum slash Photon, whatever they decide to call her, also has super speed. Huh? I hope we go with Spectrum. Yeah. Just that's personal. Spectrum because you can't do her other name, which is Captain Marvel. You can't do that. So, um, What did they call yeah. her mom? Her mom had Photon. a nickname. Photon? Photon? So then I have a feeling so she'll she would probably go by Photon. Yeah, it would make sense that she would want to inherit her mom's name. It would also make sense that she wouldn't want to be in the shadow of her mom, whatever it is. But, like, that character is OP as fuck. Like, she absorbs whatever yeah. energy she interacts with and can mimic it. So she's she's a speedster because she follows a bullet at the end of the season. She can see and become she, different oh, spectrums oh, of light. She, she can bullet become go past like, like this. UV light. Oh, she did do that, didn't she? Yeah, because she absorbs kinetic energy and then becomes... I mean, for some like, reason, when that happened, I immediately was like, yeah, of course, you know, uh, Billy... No, Tommy. Of course, Tommy... I was thinking of it like Tommy the Speedster is like, no, you're right. She does have, well, never mind. Yeah. Fuck my drive. But that's the whole thing. Like, literally, when you have a Speedster and you're up against anybody who's not also a Speedster, you, you can't do anything. So, like, on the one hand, do we love Quicksilver? Yes, absolutely. Would Quicksilver obliter obliterate just about any conflict presented in most movies? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. except I don't think, I think that, and we can talk about community after this if we'd like, but I think that arguing <laughs> that, like, um, a speedster's OP because no one's that fast is similar to the argument that like Superman can solve every problem because he's perfect. And the response to that about Superman from one of the writers was like thinking that Superman's overpowered is assuming that punching things is the solution to every problem. Exactly. So, You're like, writing Superman incorrectly. Yeah, You're not so doing you can Superman make a speedster good. who's got weaknesses or who has a villain who he can't beat. It's about being creative with that. And like yeah, whether absolutely. or not they were, whether or not they were is absolutely a thing to talk about. Ultron could not have done anything to Quicksilver, but Thanos absolutely could have, especially with the gauntlet. With and the it would gauntlet, have been dope sure. to see him try to speed around Thanos as Thanos slows time for him and makes him that fucking fight in regular guy. time. That would have been great. Or if he'd sure. altered his reality where he thought he was moving fast and then like suddenly he was moving too fast and was running into things because he couldn't see. There's ways right. to make speedsters have issues. Yeah, it's that's just true. I I'm brought speedster in with a giant person. robot instead <laughs> of making Vision. Uh, like, Vision should have been the villain in Age of Ultron with Ultron. He should have woken up and been Ultron's buddy. Mm. That movie would have been better if it was Ultron versus his son. <laughs> or, or, or what the... <sighs> but the moment where he wakes up and grabs the hammer is it's so, so like, fucking tasty. Oh, it's so, it's so good. good. It's so oh, fucking tasty, y'all. Like, I don't it's... know how I'll make you trust you, but we have to go. And there's the hammer and you're like, oh, that was oh, shit. That that movie is a kind of a glorious mess, but yeah. that moment of setup and payoff is so fucking crisp. Also, fuck Joss Whedon, but that moment is so fucking crisp that it's just like <laughs> it's 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 very very uh good. Uh, also, neither movie universe has done a good uh, translation of comic Pietro uh, because they have not made him the biggest dick in the universe. That's <laughs> unfortunately they're missing that element of him <laughs> is that he needs to be the most arrogant fucking dick in the whole world. I think because <laughs> but then how are you going to make him different than Johnny Storm? 
Well, because Johnny Storm is like a cocky, like smiley dick. Pietro is a bad dick. He's like a he's some bad dick. You know what I mean? Storm is early career Chris Evans. Just period. Just a pretty boy who everyone fucking hates. Chris did a good job. He is like Chris did a great job as. He's not a bad person. You just look at him and go. Oh, your dad bought, fuck you, bought, dude. The, bought the yacht fuck you're partying on, didn't he? <laughs> like, that kind of yeah. fuck you kid. Right. The, like, the premise of that character is he is, like, the cocky, you know, young kid who suddenly develops, like, the heat powers of a god, and he turns into exactly what you would anticipate that person turning into in that scenario. Right. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's over his with superpowers. Exactly. No. Whoa. Exactly. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like even ang- like angrier Martin, Scr- you know, uh, I love, uh, comic Quicksilver. He's the worst fucking person in the world. I love him. Um, <laughs> like, they keep trying to make him the flash. Wanda to kill all the mutants. That's like, true. It's, it's his idea. House of M is his fault. Yeah. He's like, it's fucking like, do it, bro. <laughs> he's, he's the one who did dude. it. Uh, he sucks. It rules how much this guy it's, sucks. So is is it? I'm, I'm assuming it's that moment in um, in Infinity War where uh, Star Lord fucks everything up, but all the time. No, because Star Lord. Star You can still understand why he did that. Star Lord fucked that up because he's an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. Star Lord fucked that up because he has not matured past eight years old, but he's in a big boy body, and the only person he's ever felt like an um, an adult relationship with has died, and so of course he reacts how a fucking little eight-year-old baby boy would act. <laughs> um, I'm not defending the man, but it feels like no, something it he would works. do. There's like a weird sense of like, um, it was. That was one of those things where, like, it it took me hearing other people say it for me to go, wait, yeah, what the fuck, dude? It's you. What the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and, but Quicksilver would fuck it up because he thinks he can outrun Thanos. Like, that would be why he fucks it up. It's because he's like, be like I can outrun fucking anybody. I to listen to you. I've got this. And they'd be like, no, asshole, stop. No, listen, please, God. And then he would just get absolutely fucking uh, wrecked. Uh, And our patient listeners have, of course, waited uh, because this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, uh, a podcast where 52 minutes into an episode, we talk about uh, the American television comedy community uh, one or two episodes at a time. Uh, I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, uh, and I started the Greendale Fire of all three. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jace. I use they, them pronouns. And uh, I just realized we haven't seen Professor Duncan in a long time. <laughs> uh, and I'm the third host, the daddy host, the hostess with the mostest kids. <laughs> Every time, dude. Every time. <laughs> and you haven't seen Duncan because booyah. He's been here the whole time. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Booyah! Um, yeah, excellent. Uh, we are, of course, also the uh, premier podcast in the Yahoo Screen Podcasting Network. Yeah. I fucked <clears throat> up the order of that because I was in my X Men feels. I had to pull myself out of <laughs> Dude, it, or we could have done this so for an hour. So about X Men is my favorite thing. I love them so you much. You love your X babies. So horny for the X Men. I love the X Men. I think they're cool. Oh, hold on, me saying what I said and then you doing a kid voice makes what I said inherently problematic. I thought that's what you did. I was 
reciprocated. <laughs> I thought that's what I heard. So yeah, I'm sorry. This is why I said a thing and, and you were like, I'm a horny baby. <laughs> I'm a shelly baby. <laughs> Y'all need to stop kink shaming each other. Yeah. I also, uh, uh, Jace, I never wrapped it around, but I did have a very trans X Men conversation to have with you. But uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, so let's get into. Yeah, well. We got two more fucking seasons of this show. It'll come up. Yeah, you're talking about how every trans person's favorite X-Men is Mystique? That's correct. Oh, we can... Okay. I'm sorry. We're doing this. Um, The original pitch that never got to happen because it was Marvel in the 80s, uh, but Chris Claremont uh, was going to make it so that... There's a there's an all-seeing mutant called Destiny, right? And, and Mystique and she have been like basically canon gay lovers for 30 years and canon gay lovers for two years and uh the the pitch for because mystique is nightcrawler's biological mother the comics made it so that yeah uh so the comics made it that nightcrawler's father is a red devil man called azazel uh but the original pitch was that mystique was going to transform into a male form and she was going to be nightcrawler's father um Anyway, I just had to uh, let everyone... I love that so much! I also love it so much. Uh, I hope that gets retconned someday. Um, Put it in the movies, baby. uh, Cast a trans mystique, and I will be living! There is also uh, a vocal fan community that believes uh, my favorite X-Man, Emma Frost, to be trans, uh, which is an outlook on that character I I fully support. Kevin, I can't hear anything he's saying. I don't know how I did that. I can't unmute. Oh, Kevin. Well, I could hear what I'm saying. Kevin, can you I, unmute yourself? I can't what did you. I do? And it was on the worst possible time because it was right when he was about to say something really cool, I can tell. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. There you go. It's unmuted. Say something. Hello. I know. Um, happens. The last thing I said was that there is a very vocal contingent of fan that believes uh, my favorite X-Man, Emma Frost, to be trans, uh, which is an outlook on that character I fully support. Uh, I love that interpretation of that character. Um, I think if you're going to bring mutants into the MCU, it's the obvious place to put the queers. Absolutely. None of the X-Men are straight. Uh, Okay, now. Let's go to community <laughs> proper. Uh, well, I'm sorry. The Mystique thing came up, uh, and I had to talk about it. Um, so, uh, but uh, let's let's go into the first uh, community episode uh, of the of the episode. Uh, this is why I put time codes in every episode description, <laughs> in case anyone is like, I would just want to hear you talk about puppets. Uh, season four, <laughs> oh episode nine, intro to felt surrogacy. Uh, written by, or I'm sorry, directed by Tristram Shapiro, written by Gene Hong. Uh, in this episode, the Dean gets uh, everyone in the study group except for Pierce to engage in some puppet therapy, uh, at which point we are treated to their mutual mind space, uh, where we see a puppet adventure with the <laughs> study group getting in a hot air balloon. And it's uh, technically a flashback, correct? It's technically a flashback because they are reliving a quote-unquote trauma- traumatic episode that they had. Right, but, uh, since but are too puppets, afraid it to also talk implies about. that this is happening currently, right? No, this is them remembering it. We are seeing their mutual memory of events 
Um, but they are embodied in the flashback as puppets. And the, the events of this episode only make sense if they are puppets. Does that, like, this could not happen with live action study group. They had to be puppets to go on a musical hot air balloon adventure where they take drug berries from Seinfeld's Jason Alexander. Um, uh, uh, for anyone uh, that's interested in little trivia, uh, Chevy Chase does not appear uh, live action in this episode because this is, of course, after he said the N-word on set and never worked with an actor on Community again. Uh, you will notice for the rest of the season he is very absent. <laughs> He is not around. Um, How did they get his voice? He recorded in a booth, but he never worked with another actor. Um, oh. He did the puppet voiceover. He, peer, he appears briefly in the series finale, but he is not in a scene with another actor. And then, and then he is in promptly the... killed his racist ass. Yeah, and then he's a hologram in season five before he jerks himself to death. Uh, for, 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 for a treasure. Oh, God bless it. Um, and also Walton Goggins. Uh, and also is Walton Goggins. Yes. Did y'all see? Dang. Speak, speaking of the uh, the <laughs> that episode, did y'all see the reunion live stream they did on YouTube during you know oh, during of course. with Pedro Pascal? Yeah, that's why I cannot said, keep it straight. Yeah, that's why I said Pedro Pascal is a is a godsend because he. I think uh, if I remember the way he reacted is that, like, he once overed the script but didn't get to the end of it because this was a kind of last-minute thing. So mm -hmm. he breezed those lines, but then, like, saw uh -huh. them and was like, what the fuck? How am I supposed to say this? And give a straight face. And then, like, right. and each, successive, each successive time that he did it, he, he got, worse. got into his own head worse and worse and laughed <laughs> more and more. Exactly. It became that steamroll thing. And then he thing. gets to the it gets to the Abed one, and he's like, "Do you know I never understood you?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, <laughs> "Thermos of cum, basically." And he's just here's like, your sperm. Here's your sperm. <laughs> <laughs> do you lose it again because it's so direct, uh, Mister Nadir? Do you know that nothing you said ever made sense to me? <laughs> yes. Here's your sperm. <laughs> Oh, that that episode's gonna rank fucking Oh, it's high. going up there. Oh, that's just some it. of the best writing of this show. Or or the Absolutely. or when he gives it to to Jeff and he's like, "Here's a <laughs> bottle of scotch. Only so you're less tempted to drink this even finer bottle of sperm." <laughs> uh, it's so good. Uh, it's, shit. Do you see how quickly we start talking about good community episodes? <laughs> Anything but the puppet episode. Genuinely, people are like, "What's the worst? When did Community die?" You know those videos. When did Community die? Everybody, without a doubt, they were like puppets. It is definitely the thing. As a nearly year-long resident of Community Twitter, it is oft cited as the worst episode of the show. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. Ooh, is it? That one. It's oh, there's definite like okay. Uh, we are at this point where we are grading on a curve, right? For season four, where we're like, okay, history of dance, we're going to fight to get a little higher than normal because it is the apex of what this season is capable of. And I will say this on the scale of season four, on this bell curve we have crafted of season four, <laughs> this episode has puppets and songs <laughs> and it has Sarah Bareilles. And if we are grading on that curve, that is 
a big point in my direction. Possibly. I think for me, gen- for me, like the thing that me. sent me the most, the thing that got me the most tight was they break to their memory. And the first one to start singing is Jeff. And I immediately was like, this would literally never fucking happen. Well, they're all on drugs. so <sighs> No, not at that part. Not at that point. It's literally they're like. It's like they're hanging yeah. out, and then Jeff just go, starts saying, I think we should go on an adventure. And you're like, what where? is Where? Where do we go? We can go anywhere that you know. It just, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Also, 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 of the music <laughs> in this Shit. That was like seven octaves. <laughs> go on. Also, 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 also. also. <laughs> Of the musical episodes in this show, this one has the worst music. What are you considering the musical episodes of the show? Glee Christmas. Glee Christmas. Uh, Abed's Home Christmas. Economics, where... Uh, oh, Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, sure. Um, uh, the episode where Vaughn's band sings two songs, <laughs> I assume. I would consider those to be musical features, but not musical episodes. But and I not fully musical canon. episodes. But seriously, though, of the musical moments, I should say, in this show, all of the songs in this one... Have the weakest lyrics. Suck butt. They're not good lyrics. They're, they're, the, you, Kevin, you sang during your intro the best lyric in the whole thing, which is <laughs> Troy singing that he started the Greendale Fire of 03, which is an amazing. 03! And it's like, at that moment, we should have known that Donald Glover was about to have a skyrocketing musical career, but, you know. Right, this is where he has, like, one album and a mixtape, and we're about to start just like, oh, he's going to, like, become one of the biggest figures in the music He's like, did I mention I sing as well as rap? And everyone was like, what? me? I apparently feel much more positively about this episode than y'all do. I don't know. I don't hate this episode at all. I think it's I don't meh. hate it. I think it's meh, but I don't I, hate it. I just, I, mean, song... I get real protective over musicals, <laughs> but that's just because that's my turn. And puppets. And puppets. Yeah, that's true. These are two of my biggies. Like, these are two of my favorite, like, crafts, and I'm just like, damn, y'all. I do like right. the puppets. You are... I think the puppets were crafted really well, and I think the performances Very are actually nice puppets. quite good. Here's the other thing, though. Actually, and this will this will this acts as quite a buffer. The end tag on this episode is one of my fucking favorites. It's them oh, it's as so puppets nice. just doing. <laughs> it's so fucking cute. It's yeah, just true. so delightful. Like this, I already know. I actually actively rank above the puppy parade. I see. I also wow. don't know. I also know that this episode can't be the worst to me because it's in the literal same season of Conventions of Space and Time. Right. It's, and that episode this episode is so <laughs> fucking dumb. This episode is in the same seasons as the premiere of season four and the finale of season four. So yeah, by it's default, it's also got history one hundred and one in it. So yeah. <laughs> so by default, it's at worst the fourth worst. <laughs> the bottom it is fourth worst no i actually um, don't think it's the worst i just don't think it dunks good. on itself constantly oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit um, like you so thought that was let... bad just get a lot of this <laughs> let's get ready uh here we go Coming Boy, to a movie here, here, here. In the late 90s <laughs> 
That's right. Another parody film. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're just the worst. This one is called Puppet. Because none of us want to talk about. (laughs) We're all just like, please, anything but the the puppets. Okay, I then then allow me to address uh, some salient points. That if we if we if we want to direct ourselves to this episode, we should be adults. Bring us to topic. Yes. Uh, so I I do like the puppet craft. I do think there's always something that's missing when the puppet performer is not doing the voice. If they are lip syncing to someone else, it's it's uh, something that Jim Henson said about Frank Oz. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like those are like two of the main architects of the Muppets franchise. Okay, they're also literally Bert and Ernie. Look them up. Yeah, they're literally Bert and Ernie. They are Kermit and Fozzie. They Yoda. are everyone. But, and Miss Piggy um, and Gonzo. Gonzo is Dave Goals. Thank you. Yoda. Oh, so sorry. Frank Oz is also Yoda. Frank Oz is Yoda. The Frank two Oz of is them also together Yoda. make the Swedish chef. That's literally they are one of the... Bare hands. And then... They are one of the great comedic duos, puppet or no. And uh, But something that Jim Henson said about Frank Oz, and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing and butchering this quote, but he's like, when Frank Oz plays Grover, he is a better actor than Peter O'Toole. The transformative nature <laughs> of the puppet performer and and how much they are embodying the physical aspect the voice how much they can articulate the it's incredible how expressive henson company puppets are just like every time one of them just like turns to the camera and hangs their mouth open it's somehow the most like joyous and expressive thing you've ever (laughs) ever seen oh it's not to get too nerdy but it's they 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 especially over time they nailed uh, focus with an inanimate object. They kind of yeah. nailed the idea of taking the pupils of the eyes and bringing them in just ever so slightly so that it looks like they're actually looking at you. And it's and it it, it, it it makes it so that when they open their mouth, you're like, holy shit, that's like a living, breathing thing. But no, that's super real. The second you do a voiceover afterward, it's like puppeteers are, like, when they're doing it, they're not just mouthing things with their hands. They're literally doing the full performance of the body they're they're putting life into this inanimate object and then when you go back into voice acting kind of moment it, you know sometimes there's good performances and i don't i don't want to take away from the voice actors i mean if you look at uh dark crystal age of resistance i mean that's that cast is absolutely fucking stacked with the voice actors on that um, sure or like my favorite special effect of all time audrey 2 in uh, frank oz's little shop of horrors like the the guy from the four tops is not inside Audrey too, but it's still like a transformative right. puppet performance. And that's one of those things where also like I mean that's one of the circumstances where you couldn't possibly have that to work. You know that's just like not how that kind of puppet works. But when you have those smaller, you know whether it's a hand and rod puppet or maybe it's you know like a, a shared like live hand puppet of some sort. You know it, yeah. it, there's there's something about. That, like when you watch, I not know Ernie. that the Dark Crystal show had an amazing, such an amazing fucking dude. Cat. It is an insane <laughs> lineup, dude. You've Sorry. got Mark Hamill. You've got um, you've Google got... and Martha Ross in here. Mm-hmm. Fucking Benedict Wong, Simon Pegg, Jason Isaacs. This is Anya Taylor Joy. Fuck, Terrence Egerton. Insane. The entire Fuck. cast is stars. That's very good. This, I'm this thinking is, of um oh my god I can't Harvey Firestein. That's what I was trying to think of. Harvey Firestein's oh. in it. Dude, it's oh. wild. Lena it's... Lena Hades in it. Toby Jones is in it. What the Mark Straw? This is incredible. 
They went a little too seen... hard, almost. No, they they literally stacked every single roll. It was. I mean, well, they were like, look, the budget's already monstrous. So why not? Why not? <laughs> We got Simon Pegg money. Why not get Simon Pegg? The thing is, though, when they talk about it, they weren't. They didn't intend on it. They were like, "We'll bring a couple people in," and then it just like, then more people showed interest, and then more people came in, and then at a certain point, they were like, "Oh, I guess it's just all gonna be stars." Yeah, if Jason Isaacs asks you to be on the show, you don't go, "No, no, thank you." (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Sure. Well, how how how? What would you like to do, Caleb? How familiar are you with uh, the Dark Crystal? I love the movie. I have not watched the show. Okay, because the movie is one of my favorite movies, like, ever. It's been a minute since I've watched it because um, I do remember having bad experiences with it as a young kid because it's kind of creepy at times. Oh, it's it's not kind of extremely creepy at times. It's not really a kid movie, no. It's it's genuine. There's, like, death. There's monstrosity. There's, like, like power structures, struggles. It's wild. I think it's it's worth watching the uh, the prequel series. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed myself while watching it. I, I know Kevin and I talked about it in depth at one point a little while back because um, I'm a huge puppet nerd. There's a moment where they have uh, <laughs> they have because everybody in the show is a puppet. They have puppets putting on a puppet show in an episode. Shatters my brain. Like how the puppet of Chang lifts up a little puppet yes, Chang in exactly. this episode. That's actually a good moment. That's I really think that's fun. Moment, especially because that's it's also fun. one of those things where it's like, um, it's really exciting. I don't know what it is about it. You watch whenever they, they, you have live action Abed holding the puppet Abed or live action any of them holding their puppet versions. They're not hiding their mouth movements. They're just talking and they're matching up the mouth. That's awesome. And then we go to this alternate reality where it's just the puppets, and we start to accept it as, like, you start to buy into the fantasy, you suspend disbelief, just because that's what happens when you see puppets. We see faces and we identify them as alive. It's what we do as humans. It's, you know, it's just a thing, psychologically. Um, Absolutely. And then you see Chang pull up a sock puppet, and then the sock puppet opens its mouth, and the Chang puppet doesn't. And there's something about that that makes my brain go... Like, I have oh. a, like it's like a oh. stroke. It is. I don't know what it is that throws me. There's something about like when you look at it. It's such a blatant like reference to the sound mixing of it and like the ADR of it all. And it just is such a bizarre moment. I, I I can't. I don't even really know how to describe what it is. It's just fucking nuts. That's okay. Uh, the I I think every actor is dialed in perfectly to how their character would behave with a puppet. I think that uh, that that Donald is always having like Troy and the puppet have like looks and conversations with each other, which which is exactly what I do. If you give me a puppet, I'm just like always like looking at the puppet and having little (laughs) moments with it. Uh, That Abed is just casually having the puppet move its mouth every time he talks. That uh, Shirley is kind of doing a little of that. Annie's sort of having like a more fun, like dancey sort of atmosphere with it. That Jeff is not doing it at all. It's it's a real. Every actor is really calibrated to how their character would be be reacting to these puppets. I my I think my biggest qualm, honestly, like genuinely, my biggest qualm with this episode is actually the fact that they double they double dosed Dean's bits. I'm sorry, double dosed Dean just kind of made my. <laughs> <laughs> Double dose Dean's 
Bit. It's nonsense. Yeah. Dean's Dean sense. Like I was try- I also was trying to find a D. I couldn't Christ. find the D. Um, is it in? Um, Stop. The hand is it? Um, so but literally because they're like he comes in with the puppets and he's got his puppet and he takes it very seriously. You know he's very into his whole puppet thing. And then he takes off his outfit to reveal that he's also dressed up as Pinocchio, which. I didn't. It's a hat on a hat. It's a hat on a hat. It's... And the thing is, like, when there are a lot of times where I'm like, you didn't need an outfit, but it, that's the bit. But then this time, where it's like, you didn't need an outfit, I was like, no, you, you, you really, really didn't need an outfit. And I think the outfit thing is fine, but the outlet outfit can't be the punchline. The outfit can be a facet like, of the character, but we are note. so what? we are so far beyond him wearing a funny outfit being the joke. But so often in this season, the outfit is the joke. And to have the outfit be a reveal instead of what he enters wearing, (laughs) it's so strange. (laughs) Uh, It's so strange. So uh, uh, one more thing, and there's actually one last thing about this episode I really want to discuss. But um, I I just want to shout out to Sarah Bareilles for not even trying to hide the fact that she's reading off of cue cards. I honestly respect it. How little she's trying to hide. Like, she's in a scene with puppets and is looking dead at her own eye level off camera. It's incredible. Uh, but, but the thing I want to talk about most are these secrets revealed, right? The, the, the idea behind mm-hmm. this episode and how some of them feel like really good character moments and some of them feel like the wildest shit that kind of destroys some of these characters <laughs> that like does a lot of character assassination in the middle of, of the all episode. of these secrets because i i remember so the one shirley's is the okay. first one she opens it up and then that's why jeff is like everybody needs to do that shirley's right. secret is really appropriate it checks out i was like this is that's a great character development that makes sense with what she would do who she is who she has been who she's growing to be yeah. yes and i feel like most parents have some story like that not quite to that comedic degree but oh, i'm sorry think, caleb you were about to say i something. think shirley's story is so fucking out of character really her kids are so important to her and they want us to believe that she left them somewhere for hours overnight in the grocery store the kid like, for some reason the grocery store employees did not kick the kids out at yeah they're like you can hang out here have some doritos it's just i thought that was really weird because she's been so family centered for so long like she's not doing business things because of family she's not worried about school sometimes because of family like her kids are everything and i get it like this was an instance where she could have gotten at her husband who was then you know not acting as a husband at that moment but like for her to just fucking forget her kids for hours? That's so weird. That's so not Shirley. Like, she, one of the yeah. things she does no, throughout true. this show is, like, I'd hate to lose because I don't have a newborn at home. Like, she does that all the time. Yeah. To the point where I have Troy three says kids. Things like, yeah, <laughs> to the point where Troy says, damn it, Shirley, forget about your kids. Like, she has to be made to forget about her kids. Kevin, did you just know. reference the G.I. Joe episode very subtly? Always. <laughs> Always. Always. Took me a second, but uh, I was like, wait a minute, did he just... 
I have three kids. It's so funny. I that episode's very funny <laughs> to me. Um, no, anyway, I, we're, again, we're talking about like good genre episodes. Yeah, for for whatever reason, this story about Shirley seems like out of left field to me. That's like fair. how do we how do we make her a character who through this show has shown that she's a good mom? How do we make her actually mm-hmm. a bad mom? I but think she's low as fuck to me. I hate it. I I don't even know if it necessarily. I think it's. Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, I actually agree very much. I think for me, the the reason why I liked it initially was the idea of one of the few things she's actually genuinely insecure about is the fact that her husband left, you know? And on the one hand, she's like, you know, she's like a very forgiving person, but we've also seen consistently throughout this show, she's petty. (laughs) She's, sure. and so to see, to then get the idea of like, my husband's cheating on me again. She's like, I'm going to get him and to get blinded by that. And then the fact that she's so embarrassed by that, not because she chased a woman across the town, because that that's the, not a part she's actually really embarrassed about. She's like, yeah, I fucking did that. She's embarrassed that she let that take her mind off of her kids, who are the most sure. important thing in her, her life. So I saw that as like a really complex moment. Um, but I, I, when you say it like that, it, it, I do agree. You're right. It does kind of feel wrong to be like the woman who is, but I also, I, at the same time, simultaneously, because, you know, you hold conflicting ideas at the same time. I also think a little bit of the fact that they lean into how she's like, I love my kids so much is because they underdeveloped her character. Unfortunately, I, it's been my, uh, my big complaint about not Yvette Nicole Brown, but Shirley as a character, I don't think they wrote a fully fleshed out character for her. I think they were just like, eh, she's the Christian black woman, you know, and they just kind of let that exist. Um, sure. So I, I think they leaned it. It literally feels like I have three kids. It was like, okay, great. What, what do we know about Shirley? She's like, oh, she's got kids. So I didn't take it as her kids are the most important thing in the world to her. I viewed it as like, that's just like a character detail that they played into. But of course, you're the only one that has children in this group so your perspective on that is decidedly different and it's it's really neat to hear you kind of say that because I, I think yeah it's a really it's just good like, point i think when i first encountered this show before my children i was like Haha, she left her kids at the store but then mm-hmm. like after watching this show several times since my initial right and now having two kids of my own uh the the like you have kids as like a trait for a person is both sometimes problematic and also literally how I talk about my life anytime I'm given a chance. Like, there's very mm-hmm. few times I don't go to a coffee shop to hang out with a friend. I even did it tonight. And, like, the first 20 minutes is me complaining about having kids. <laughs> and not complaining <laughs> that I have them and I don't want them, but complaining that, like, last night my daughter woke up at 3.30, and when I went down to, like, settle her down and get her back to sleep, I saw in her eyes in a split second that she was awake. So I decided in that moment I'm going to sleep in the same bed as my kid so that she doesn't mm. fuck around all night. And so I got, like, no sleep last night. And so I bitched about that for 30 minutes today <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I had the opportunity. But also, like, I wouldn't trade sleeping next to my kid for anything, even if she was, mm-hmm. even if she's a little fucking toaster oven who <laughs> is perfect height for her elbows and knees to be in vital to hit me in vital organs. <laughs> oh no! My kidneys, oh, no. my kidneys, my bladder, my just everything got. <laughs> Caleb, you gotta get one of your buttons to be the. Oh lord, no! Oh lord, no! I will do that <laughs> while we're talking. Don't worry, I'll have it by the end of the show. 
I will have it by the Excellent. end of the show. It's, it's like, That's I, I love how, like, it's we've kind of taken this moment that was, like, for all of us, like, the cringiest moment of, like, anything. And now we're just like, and we're running with it. And now it's our thing. Um, the, the other bit of character assassination in The Secrets is uh, that Annie let Professor Cornwallis rub her feet for a better grade uh annie edison would not do that i know she's ashamed of it annie edison wouldn't do no that. she wouldn't she wouldn't do that there's a lot of things she would do also don't we then see <laughs> professor cornwallis in the next episode give her a not so great grade indeed uh so what was the point <laughs> so <laughs> a foot rub for nothing um so that is it uh, but the and you know the some of the like britta britta not voting makes sense yeah. pierce not actually having sex with eartha kit makes sense clearly makes sense. troy Troy burning 50 acres of land seems like it should that's be a, a funny, bigger that's, deal. That's a funny... I think that that's so funny. He's like... <laughs> just Troy doing something and then being like, I've got to play it cool, like the thing's happening, and then it gets out of hand, and then it gets even more out of hand, and it gets even more out of hand, and he just like keeps it in, and he's like, nobody <laughs> needs to know about this. Like, I, I it's see... The, it's the end of the darkest timeline, but 50 acres. <laughs> It's the the fire at the end of the darkest timeline, but 50 acres. Uh, But the one I like a lot is the Jeff confession, which is kind of brushed over and uh, should have been an episode of Community, is that he he was dating a single mother who was, like, perfect for him, and he promised he would go to the kids' baseball game and didn't go thus realizing he has become his own father should be a fucking episode of community and not not this tossed off line wow yeah that could have been the like the tear jerkiest episode of the entire show that's such a perfect jeff plot line that i am honestly like i was like I'm actually really glad that they didn't do that, especially in this season, because the only way that I would want to see that pulled off is somehow simultaneously, fortunately, and unfortunately, if Dan Harmon had his fingerprint on it like that. Sure. You're I think you're right, though. That is such an amazing development for him. They really leaned into like his daddy issues this season. They used it as like a throwaway joke and they were like, we're not going to ever really get into it. And then season four, they were like, no, let's get into it. It's his defining character trait. Um, right. It's um, yeah, right. it's it's a thing, and I have mixed feelings about it. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. Agreed. But um, this is the Jeff's dad season in many ways, and and I like that. Um, I I wish I had been able to see that episode of Community. Is is all I will um, sure be able to say. Maybe That's not a from ridiculous these fan theory, Kevin. That episode would have never been made. <laughs> If that happens, uh, I will s- go to the bodega around the corner, get some crow, and I will eat it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Winger is Mephisto. Um, <laughs> Chang is just an actor playing Chang. Uh, I liked that reveal better in Iron Man 3. Um, <laughs> I did actually like the moment when uh, Chang is leaving the room, and then the puppet turns on and goes, he's not who he seems. <laughs> Good bit. Ken Jong, Love him. Love the guy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's, I think, all we have to say about the yeah. puppet episode. Uh, but it's been, it's been, uh, an enlightening time. Uh, season four, episode <laughs> ten, intro to knots, uh, directed again by Tristram Shapiro, written by Andy Bobro. 
uh, Jeff uh, throws a study group Christmas party uh, and invited Professor Cornwallis because uh, somehow on a paper <laughs> that seven people wrote, uh, one of them dropped... What kind of... I know that Greendale is a ridiculous school. Seven people collaborated on a term paper for one grade. From anyway, the teacher that um, makes fun of how the classes don't how greendale is yeah he would have. he would not have done that that's preposterous uh anyway uh they invite professor cornwallis over uh and it uh all becomes an homage to the alfred hitchcock movie rope (laughs) uh which is oh it's a reference episode i actually didn't even know that until uh i was Right now, eight years old. Jace yeah. was today years old. There it is. <laughs> I was today like, years old when I learned. Yes, it is a reference to. It's not one of the more popular Hitchcock movies, uh, but its big conceit uh, is that it is supposed to give you the illusion that it's done in one take. Uh, if you know what you're looking for, there are many cuts. But uh, for for them trying to pull that off in like the fifties is remarkable. Like no Way one was doing that Bird in the fifties. Yeah, Birdman. Also, they did it better than Birdman. Like Birdman, Birdman did it really bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, it's it's all about this like tight enclosed uh, space. That's why this episode has. They obviously can't do it for the entire episode because they don't have the budget to like rehearse that and actually pull off one take. But there are a lot of longer takes in this episode. Like the episode opens with like. Jeff is there, Annie comes in, starts decorating, the rest of the study that group enters, totally and that is all different. the same shot. Yeah, that's all the same shot. I um, also, at we the have... same time, though, I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that moment, because he goes, I'm not going to play house with you, and then immediately starts playing house with her. <laughs> it's a it, it's a weird thing. It's a whole thing. I was like, uh, <laughs> hello? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pierce is also not in this episode, uh, for the aforementioned reasons. Uh, so at the last minute they subbed it. Oh, goodness. A Moscow mule burp is a, it's a heck of an experience. Um, but they, they sub in Chang here at the last. Yeah, kids, don't, don't drink in pod. Um. Did you say don't drink in pot? Pod. Pod. Like a podcast? Uh, and I, I, uh, they sub in Kevin at the last minute, and I actually think it's pretty effective. This is one of the better uses of Chang in this season, I M H O. um, even though we know he's faking it at this point, so, like, why are we doing this? Uh, anyway, uh, but, Well, then um, they play they... into it a little bit, I think, right, is it the, the bumper where they kind of... It's like the end of the episode and not the bumper proper, because the bumper proper is two bumpers. It is a gift exchange that becomes a Darkest Timeline segment, uh, where even Abed knows that the Jeff and Annie thing is creepy. Um, Abed is keenly aware, uh, because Darkest Timeline Jeff says, I I wish you were even younger. Which is very (laughs) upsetting. Oh, it's so... (laughs) Caleb's face right now. It's just... Beyond. Beyond fucked up. Uh, This episode is somewhat effective. I I, I admire what it's going for, even if it doesn't fully pull off the thing. I also love hostage episodes of television shows. That is... 
I've seen it a thousand times, and I love it every fucking time. Uh, the great episode of Breaking Bad season one, and several other episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, but the main one I'm thinking of oh, is, the what's that guy? Crazy the... eight, eight ball? The plate. The fucking plate. <laughs> um... But I always love the prisoner. Like, I again, you've seen it 40,000 times. And every time I'm like, yes, the prisoner is the one actually doing the examining. Yes. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Avengers 1. Skyfall. That episode of Breaking Bad. Those, Who, like, wait, three episodes of Lost. Uh, Loki. Like, everyone oh, does their yes. little scene with oh, Loki yes. in the cage. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, fuck Joss Whedon. But that seems very good. it's... <laughs> But the scenes are very good. Um, and i that's just a trope that fucking works for me. I'm such a mark for it. Like, I can't, I can't get over it. It's, yeah. it's always good. Um, and and I like that. I love Malcolm McDowell. Who doesn't? Um, and, uh, you know, it's fine. We know immediately that Jeff is the one that fucked up the paper. Um, it's also really fucked up how Annie keeps skipping over Shirley. I know it's like a joke, but it's like... <laughs> Boy, Annie is really doing some fucking Shirley erasure yep. in this episode. <laughs> kind of messed up. <laughs> kind of a uh, kind of a second it episode in a row that makes me very like negative writers... about Annie Edison. <laughs> also, it feels like the writers, in a little bit of a sense, were like, you know, it would be funny if Shirley was the smart one, and that makes me feel bad. And when I say makes me feel bad, I mean it makes me feel not good. You know? It makes me feel very not good. <laughs> oh, I, yes. I wasn't sure what you meant when you said it makes me feel bad. No, it makes me feel not good. I, I that's why I realized. That oh, you, bad I, means I feel not bad, good. I mean not good. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm like, oh, it makes me feel bad. I was okay, like, okay. Dad, and I was like, let me clarify. That makes me feel a whole lot of ick. Right. If you yeah, know, if <laughs> if Troy is the smart one, it's funny. If Britta is the smart one, it's funny. If Shirley is the smart one and that's the joke, it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah, yeah it's like What's literally like, the character here? has never been not smart, right? She lit- Shirley's never been dumb. Like that's never been an aspect of her character, right? And so for them to be like, wouldn't it be funny if she was dumb? It's like, no, it wouldn't. Why are you making the black woman? Why is it funny that the black woman is smart? I don't. I just don't get it. I don't like it. We saw her open a sandwich shop. She's a business owner. She's a business <laughs> The backbone owner. of this country. I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. Businessman. <laughs> oh, yeah? What? Is, that's what, That's from... What the fuck was that? Oh, it's from Parks and Rec. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't going to uh... say it. I was going to make y'all guess it, but you got uh, it pretty quick. I was I was doing a Parks and Rec rewatch, and then they dropped the Muppet Show on Disney+, Plus, and I was like, that's what I'm watching You're now. You're doing a Parks and Rec rewatch? I was. I haven't watched hardly any of it since the series finale in 2015. Not because I, like, hated it. I was just like, all right, I'm kind of done with the show for a while. Dude, um, I literally just was like, I want to do a Parks and Rec rewatch. I don't know what it was. I was like, I, this is the kind of comedy I want back in my life right now. And then I realized that I need Peacock to watch it. Yes, uh, the first two seasons are free on Peacock. No, but season Cock, one's not but, a good um, season. <laughs> Yeah, and then all the other seasons you have to pay for Peacock. Yeah. Pay the cock. Pay the cock. Pay the cock. Pay the cock. I don't like that. When I saw that original Muppet show was on Disney+, Plus, I was so hyped. 
game over. That's where we're watching every like Saturday and Sunday with breakfast is we watch like three Muppet shows. Absolutely. Perfect way to start the day. Perfect way to start the day. That's so cute. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And I get to feel validated for recognizing 70s (laughs) celebrities. It's like good for you because when I'm watching it, I'm literally going, Joel Gray comes on. I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, I'm like, you don't know Jim Neighbors? <laughs> what the f- you don't know oh, Rita Moreno or Sandy Duncan? Rita Moreno, I oh, know vaguely. But no, vast majority of them, I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Which brings me, quick question. Did, when, did yes. the, when did the Muppet Show stop airing? Because I'm having... 81, 82? Okay, cool. Because they totally did have... Oh my God, what's his... Uh, uh, school's out for... Ever. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper Alice was Cooper. on an episode, right? Yep. And I remember watching that being like, why does this feel like this was done in like the 90s or the 2000s? But I guess that was like early 80s because, yeah, it's Alice Cooper. Wow. Yeah. It's Alice Cooper. So watch the way that the aesthetics shift over the course of this show. I'm, it's, we love puppets. Wrong. Yeah, wrong Muppet Show. Go watch it. Muppet Show, but you know. <laughs> What? I know you have Disney Plus. Go watch it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I know you do. Whoever you got you it. You, you got your Disney Plus from my partner. Kev turned into exactly. Family. <laughs> I know you have Disney Plus. True Excelsior. believers. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> Uh, Stanley, you absolute piece of shit. Uh, this episode of Community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you know, he's a beloved cultural icon and all that. He's also a bona fide piece of shit. R.I.P. Profiteer. Uh, <laughs> a bona fide. Yeah, a, a person who ev- who every collaborator he ever worked with, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby. Uh, he was walking with them down the New York seat and threw them under a city bus. Um, Stanley, everybody. Um, sorry, everyone. Round of applause. <laughs> Gotta grind that Round axe. Of applause a little for the bit. guy that was like, I made Spider Man. I made Spider Man. Me alone. <laughs> no, <laughs> artist too. Would. Steve Ditko. The Ditko-ed. entire comic book was me. Words, inks, colors, <laughs> illustrations. It's amazing that, like, no matter what the superhero is, when you read the Stan Lee section, you're like, wow, this is the worst section of this comic. <laughs> Stanley's like the worst. Stanley's like Bill Gates. He hires people who are good at yeah. shit he's not good at, and then yeah. says it's him. Yeah, he has, <laughs> comes up. He, he, he's, 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 he comes up with a good idea, and he says, "Now you do it." He's Steve Jobs being like, uh, "What if we did this?" And everybody else has to figure out how to make it work, how to actually make it happen. <laughs> yeah. But much like That's Steve what... Jobs, he found a visual branding for himself. Yes, and uh, thus became. Uh, a, an international celebrity, an instantly recognizable icon, uh, while again uh, being responsible for crashing so many buses by throwing his artist directly. <laughs> uh, anyway, this There'll episode be another bus fine. crash. <laughs> there will be another bus crash. I wish I was watching that. What is that? I don't know that reference. <laughs> that's when that's when uh, Mister Mister Rad exposes that he's the one that killed the last Glee Club. I'm not so saying I killed the last Glee Club. I'm just saying that, that maybe they cut the brakes and, hey, look, sons of Leon. And then runs off. <laughs> oh, beautiful. That's Jerry, um, right? I, Kings of Leon. I'm which, an idiot. Go on. No, Kings of Leon. The guy, the actor. Taron Killam. Taron Killam. Married to Kobe Smulders. Yeah, Mr. Kobe Smulders. Yes. Who does not work enough? Who does not work as much as I believe that 
She should. She should have more I going on. I believe that she should. She's been in them dang Marvel movies, and they have not once given her anything to do. Uh, and also, uh, she was on the television adaptation of the comic Stump Town, mm-hmm. uh, which was a good little comic and a good little show. I enjoyed it. Uh, Jake Johnson went off of New Girl to Stump Town. It was a good little show. I think it's over, but it's I enjoyed it. It's over. But, uh, you know, hey, it, when a show ends, you know, you miss it. But you're also like, hey, I can catch up. I can watch this whole show. It's not 800 episodes. It's 20 episodes. Right. Yeah. Um, Stumptown. Check it out. Yeah, Check one it. season, 2019. Toby Smolders. Yeah. There you go. Bada bing. Uh, yeah, good show. She plays like a, a, basically a Jessica Jones detective, but no superpowers. So I guess just a detective. <laughs> I guess just like. So a, she's, she's just a, a detective. <laughs> she's, yeah, so she's, she's just a regular detective. detective. This I think what happens when you're us. This is what happens when you're us. You stop a detective able... with no superpowers. Yeah. Weird. You stop <laughs> being able to describe things as anything huh. but superhero adjacent. <laughs> I mean, yeah. also, whenever He's I like... whenever I think of her, though, the first thing that comes to mind, um, take this however you will, is Robin Sharatsky in um, it, it, How, I oh, How I Met Your Mother. Of it's course, like of that's course. like that's that is my first true introduction to this character and i was like yeah the best it's still the best her defining line, the best storyline yeah. for that show that they only went to after fa- head head faking us for eight seasons yeah that right <laughs> right remember that, remember uh, that when they were like it's not robin it's someone else and she's gonna die off screen and actually it was robin all along <laughs> like fuck off show <laughs> i yeah I since i'm uh yeah, okay. Uh, Jace, thank you, because I was about to throw that Molotov cocktail. Is yeah. the, Okay, it is, I will say this, it is a terrible uh, ending for the television show How I Met Your Mother. However, as a short film about adult friends in New York growing apart because life takes us in all these unexpected directions and often uh, leads us back to each other in the end, good oh, sure. short film I, about that concept. Will, uh, bad ending for the show. How I, I don't think it's a bad ending for the show either. I think if they didn't do it that way, the show wouldn't have made sense. There's no reason why he would have sat down with his kids to tell them about all these stories. Like, the, when they wrapped it up, I was like, of course the mom's already dead. And people apparently saw that the mom was dead seasons ahead of time. They predicted it. And then, sure, like... But, like... But, like, I've been with my wife for 14 years in a couple of weeks. And when I tell my kids about how we met, I'm going to tell them hours of stories because that relationship was back and forth and up and down and sideways and all sorts of ways until, like, we had the kids, which, like, they could have he could have told that story all out throughout the show. And then it been Robin. And that would have been fine. I would have been fine with that. Because, like, that's how people tell stories. The more you remember something, the more fantastical it gets. But I think I liked how the ending gave us a why he was telling these stories. You know? Yeah, it was why was like, if we just made this about Robin, then it would feel weird. So let's make it about somebody else for a season. Well, no, oh. basic, no <laughs> basically, like, I'm telling you all these stories to know how important Robin is to me and how this led to me meeting your mom because I'm asking your permission to get together with Robin to the kids that have lost their mom. Like there was something about the way that that wrapped up. I like, this is not what this podcast is about. No, it's not. I do not endorse this show in any sense. I think it's got some really toxic shit in it. Um, Did I love it? I like intro to knots just to get back to. Of course. I like not. I enjoy this episode because. Oh my God. One, I like that it's a 
basically a bottle episode, but two, I like Malcolm McDowell and like when he's hamming it up and it's oh. it's fun. I enjoy it, even just, if it's campy, just stupid. I love it. I really just don't let King Malcolm go. Yeah, I, he's great. No, the end tag is rancid, and we are gonna rank it here soon. I just uh, the what like literally darkest timeline stuff should have started and ended in the darkest timeline episode. They should have never brought it back up. I but I, I think don't I'm mind also it as a because I think about it in terms of like like the paintball episode. That comes later. Wait, didn't they bring oh, it up at the end of last season too, though? Because I actually yeah, I don't I don't mind it as okay a season it. three through line, as like when Abed has a break uh, psychologically and the quote unquote darkest timeline Abed kind of takes over his form. I okay like that as a resolution. Forward with, from it from that point, and they just kind of left it in season three. I would have been totally fine with yes, that. Yes, it should have much like the air conditioner repair school. It should have stayed Leave in it. season three. Leave it alone. Inspector alone. Space Time should have stayed in season three. It's, it's um, Kevin saying that the Vision should have stayed dead. Exactly. You, <laughs> we we just had a nice finale for it. Would be a shame if we ruined that by <laughs> making the darkest timeline just flying around out there. Uh, no matter how much I like that dark ship of Theseus conversation. Um... Let's let's rank uh, some episodes and end tags, shall we? Let's please. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So Good first uh, on the docket is a puppet sing along, puppet daybreak. I put this above the because um, you said puppy, puppy parade, parade, our current number thirty-one. What are these? It reminds me. Reminds I'm, me I'm, I'm struggling though because there's Slut and Burton Ernie. And those are two of also some of my favorites. I think I, I immediately go to Puppy Parade because it's a similar one where it's like, this is a feel-good end tag, and it's not really, like, funny, but we still love it. And for me, this one just – I mean, this one just kind of ticks a lot of my boxes personally. Like, it's like it's acapella, it's puppets, it's it's musical theater. It's a running gag that they managed to pull off in an effective way. Um but I think also when it's because I'm comparing it to the rest of the episode, this is like the standout moment of that entire episode. Sure. Um, so maybe. Uh, I think we're in the right zone, though. Uh, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Uh, maybe under slot. Uh, slot! Burton Ernie. I, love, I knew I had something today. <laughs> Poor Dimitri. Burton Ernie. Poor Dimitri. Voicemail. <laughs> hey, how you living? <laughs> How You Living is one of my fucking I love it so much. Um, what what do these end tags remind me? Because my life is a blur. Um, the, this end tag is the puppets sing Daybreak. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. they do. They go, okay. <laughs> yes, that's right. Mm. Vending Machine is in this do- zone. Dinner with LeVar Burton is in this zone. Now to- Spaceships! <laughs> find a baby. <laughs> that's what they do. You can't tell me that's not what they do. Because that's what they do. No, it's... Uh, I'm going to put it... Uh, for me... It, wow, I wanted it higher. But no, I'm going to put it below rotating bookcase and above the potato chip review. Mm, and yes. so y'all like the zone. Leonard's reviews. The Leonard's reviews for me, they don't really... I don't, they don't do too much for me. I think he's cute, though. No, he's you cute. That but he's, I think he's a cute old man. He's cuter. He's a cute old man doing a YouTube show. That's all I ask for. I eat two potato life. chips. I put the bag back and I say, "Good job. Buy these chips. Put it on the YouTube. Put it on the YouTube's." Uh, yeah, I can agree with new the new number forty three. Daddy host. Yeah, that works. 
All right, Puppet or, Daybreak. Yeah. Uh, the next uh, end tag is Gift Exchange slash Darkest Timeline. It's a it's a weird sort of doubleheader nesting doll end tag. Let's scroll on down. <laughs> I literally don't remember what happens in this, genuinely. The Dean comes over and gives the study group gifts, and then Abed has a Darkest Timeline fantasy set in a courtroom uh, because this end tag happens, and you're like, uh-oh, are they going to do something with this? Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Wait, but why Why does Abed go to a Darkest Timeline moment? That's an excellent question. No one can explain. Scholars will debate. He just starts he thinking? Like, he just realizes there's a Darkest Timeline thing happening? He just goes, like, Christmas, Darkest Timeline. Wonder what's going on in the Darkest Timeline. Mm. I'm doing a Die Hard thing gotcha. this episode. And then what happens in the Darkest Timeline? There's in a court case? It's in a courtroom, and Jeff is a lawyer, and he uh, acquits Annie Edison, who is wearing the Hannibal Lecter mask uh-huh. thing, and then they kiss. <laughs> uh, you're caught up. That's I'm, not great. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's a big old stinker. Uh, that's going to be a no from me, dog. Um down here uh you know number 70 chang as Patton. i will say this uh it is an homage to the movie Patton, which i always appreciate so it's underneath number 70 (laughs) chang as Patton. what yeah he addresses the chang glorious bastards flag behind him and it's reminiscent of general Patton from the film Patton. Patton. I don't from, remember this reference, but I'm going to... It's reminiscent of Patton uh, from the film of the same name. Is is this right after the the birthday party? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, think it's, it's after he's Howie recruited his child security force. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And he okay. delivers a speech from an yeah, all-too-nationalistic stage. Yeah. Screens, man, screens. Keep it going lower. What? Keep it going. That a pretty big stinker. Crumping Pierce? is this low? Crumping is uh, not funny. Yeah, Kev, Kev has a beef with, with people enjoying themselves. So let's just read yeah, that. Yeah, I hate joy and fun. Um, <laughs> obviously, of A course. regular Harrison Ford. Yeah, it just doesn't make me laugh. I don't know what to tell you. They just do a dance, and then Jeff does a dance. That's it. End of end day. Yeah. Crossword. Boof. And then Both. this traitor audition. Oh, Lord, no. Okay, I'm going to put this... <laughs> Just above, oh lord, no. For me. I'm going to put this just below Inspector's. No, just below, oh lord, no. I was like, below oh. Inspector's Space Time. No, sorry. You? <laughs> that was. I misspoke. I'm unhinged, but I'm not altogether crazy. <laughs> Gifts exchange, darkest timeline. I can't fight it. I can't fight it, folks. New number 78. Gift exchange slash darkest only, timeline. I'm only partially Joker fied. Only not, not. Uh, yes, I am Joker now. These episodes have made me Joker. Wait, hold on. We I live can't in a be society. Joker until I grab white robes and a crown of thorns. Oh, why did you? Please, God, kill Caleb. me, Caleb. <laughs> Lord, Lord, smite me now, Caleb. I was like just starting to get a little bit excited about Welcome. it, and then you had to go and remind me that it is what it is. Welcome to my brain. Yeah, a place fair. where I'm constantly reminded that Jared Leto doesn't know what the fuck the Joker is. <laughs> neither, and neither does Zack Snyder. It's fine. Uh, yeah, also, Jared Leto, bad actor. Why is he in movies? Also, um, Jared Leto, bad person. Why is he? 
Why is he? Hey, Why Jared is he? Leto was okay in Blade Runner twenty forty nine because he could basically play his own douchey self. Sure, but uh, I could think of like my problem with Jared Leto, besides being a bad person, is that I can always think of like nine people who could do the role he's doing better in the style of performance he's doing it. I'm just always like, <laughs> oh God, I wish this were fucking anyone else. Hmm. Okay. Episode rankings, <laughs> shall we? Uh, the puppet episode. Now's the fucking time. Which one is um, History 101? I'm, that's the season four premiere. This episode's fucking better than that. What happens in History... Oh, with the... Mm, the Hunger Deans, yeah, the Dean, you fool. The Dinger Games, the Hunger Deans. Turn of History, Hunger Journey Deans. of Ages. Uh, advanced documentary filmmaking. Which We're one? climbing, we're climbing. Which one's documentary filmmaking? That's the Changnesia documentary. Oh. Uh, we're going uh let's conventions of space and time you're saying inspector space time convention and then genealogy family day and which one's oh spanish 101 i think this one's worse than spanish 101 for me i think so I mean, yeah. I'd rather watch think... Genealogy than this one, because at least in Genealogy, Britta fetches a switch because she doesn't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a point. Yeah. I'm on the same page. Mm. Okay. So it's saying... barely better than Conventions of Space and Time. Boy. Okay. I was going to give it a little much, but I am I'm solidly, uh, solidly outvoted here. Um, what the fuck number in this season is it? How much uh, episode uh, nine? Wait, uh, intro is, to my, whatever felt surrogacy. Um, all right, next intro to knots. So we can go Christmas up. Episode. Okay, this episode. Not bad. Intro to knots at contemporary impressionists ish. I think we're in the right zone. But that contemporary impressionist has French Stewart playing a French Stewart in person. Yeah, not, I would like I'll to put rem- it above uh, economics and marine biology, but below contemporary impressionists, one, and I'm fine. Which one is marine, economics? Marine and biology and is the the whale. Them trying to land the rich kid. We did it last week. P E E physical education education. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that placement. Okay, new number sixty-two. S four E. Malcolm McDowell just 10. has that staying power. You know he's literally oh, the the episode for sure. Yeah. Oh my god, there's oh, the 100%. moment where he's he's like, "Ah, oh, I see you guys are venturing into tapas." And then he eats one and just throws it at Annie. Ah. He just throws the toothpick back on her plate and she's like, "The fuck?" The fuck? Uh yeah, you're venturing into tapas. I thought this is a fine scotch, Mr. Winger. Don't you people mix it with cherry pop? <laughs> uh, I love Y'all, just so y'all know, I didn't, I didn't know if you knew this, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. The great sir, I don't know if he's a sir, but Malcolm John Taylor, who goes by Malcolm McDowell, um, oh has fucking 12 projects in production right now. How many books? Busy. I don't know. My man, books. One's completed. Let me correct that. One's completed. Four are three are post pro. One's filming. Four are pre pro, and three are announced. Yeah, I'd be shocked if more than one was filming. This isn't one of those progressive schools where the more creative parents put on musical skits. 
This is public school. If I keep the girls off the pole and the boys off the pipe, I get a bonus. <laughs> oh, I love Malcolm McDowell. Oh, and the, the one guy. he's filming is a voiced animated series based on the video game Ark. Which has the Survival most ridiculous, evolved? which has the most ridiculous cast I've ever seen. Gerard Butler, David Tennant, Michelle Yeoh, Jeffrey Wright, Carl Urban, Alan Tudyk, Elliot Page, Malcolm McDowell, Russell Crowe, and Vin Diesel. <laughs> what is this video game arc? It's a survival it's, uh, game. It's an open world dinosaur survival game, but it's not as cool as that sounds. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and they're I making would an animated will... movie based on it? And those are all the yeah. voice actors you just listed? Yeah. That's a pretty stacked I'll, cast. I will place big. money down right now. Physical American U.S. dollars. Now, that movie will not be as enjoyable as the episode of Monster Factory where they play Ark Survival Evolved and create Dino Lansbury. <laughs> Dino Lansbury. <laughs> you say Monster Factory? Oh, my it God. Is, uh, Chase is not it is a Monster Factory? Chase. It is a YouTube series. Uh, where uh, two of the uh, comedy McElroy brothers play video games at, with character creators and create the most hideous creations they can possibly <laughs> devise and develop whole little characters for them and play video games as them. It's my favorite thing on YouTube.com. Let me <laughs> tell you just um, some of the names of the monsters from Monster Factory, and you will know. I mean, I'm seeing a few you have little pictures um, in Skyrim, they make a character named Garfield, and it's an acronym. Uh, and Garfield is an acronym for. Did they ever? Did they ever clarify what it was for? No, he's just Wait, Cyber Garfield. From um, from my brother, my brother, and um, the Adventure Zone. The Adventure Zone. Yeah. Wow, I still need to do Adventure Zone. I'm re-listening to the original. Shop. I'm re-listening to the original arc. It's I'm incredible. Just, I'm just so bad at listening to podcasts which is ironic in as hell. fallout 4 they made a character named d-bomb <laughs> in mass effect 2 they made commander truck shepherd in arc they made dino lansbury in second life they made the boy mayor of second life <laughs> in fallout 4 they made the final pam which is the final yes. pam um in i am gonna look they this up tonight i'm the very Junker. excited please um, knife dad <laughs> Knife Dave. Dad. Turbo Victor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Monster Factory is the best. Uh, my, my, yeah, my favorites are the final Pam from Fallout 4 mm -hmm. and Daz, uh, the character they create in Tiger Woods Golf. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, uh, phenomenal. Uh, now we're in the plugs uh, section of this show. Uh, go watch Monster Factory, everyone. Um uh, I will say that I am on the most recent episode of uh, the podcast Apartment 303, another community podcast, where they are doing a March Madness bracket for community episodes. Uh, and I got to help them crown the uh, best episode of season three. Um, you might be able to guess what that episode ends up being, but uh, it's oh. a fun ride to get there. And uh, I go hard on subway, uh, hard on the subway train. Uh, ride it with me, choo-choo. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Uh, that is that is my time. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I don't have anything this week. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, let out another gentle reminder to, you know, uh, be kind to yourselves. We're hitting the one-year anniversary of being stuck in our homes. And um, 
you know, uh, just you know, respect that. And uh, I I wish you a many discoveries of things that bring you joy over this month. And uh, I don't know. That's deep deep up deep boop a dopo. If you're trans, I love you. If you're cis, I love you too. But if you're trans, I love you. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't have much. I've got a podcast coming up on Thursday about Mortal Kombat and all of its many permutations, both film, video game, show, book, whatever the fuck it's been. Uh, and then uh, I've also got an interview coming up with the owner of the Hades Tigers Blaseball Twitter account um, to talk <laughs> about the return of Blaseball from its long hiatus and how wacky and wild that awesome game is. <laughs> what have I done to you? What is fuck's going on yeah that was a for anyone that is not familiar that is a series of nonsense sounds yeah i just said a bunch of i was so so last summer a company (laughs) called the game band made a baseball sim that's not Uh like a playable like mlb the show baseball sim but like a watch along as the game does like play-by-play tracking sim that's web-based that incorporates such wild and bananas ideas as gods and umpires who incinerate players and uh raining peanuts and uh blood rain what uh, is this called? this is a game it's called baseball but there's an l after the first b so blaseball and you go to blaseball.com and it's wild there's a book uh that's the book and it's full of redacted laws and rules and all the authors' names are redacted. And, like, it's just this wild meta. It's If Abed were to make a game about a sport he didn't care about but knew a lot about, he would make baseball. It's wild and Online amazing. browser baseball simulation horror game? Yes, Literally, it's incredible. What the fuck? It's incredible. And so my, my team so of much choice, with you two. my team of choice and my good friend, um... Uh, is the Hades Tigers who are from the sixth circle of hell. Uh, and uh, he started the Twitter account last year as this was growing to be a thing and had thousands of followers within a couple weeks and has been running it ever since. And it's wild and cool. And I have a deep love for baseball and watching somebody take baseball and shove it up its own ass is incredible. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. So if you want to hear that, stay tuned because that's also coming up. Um, and yeah, that, you gotta let me know how to get into Blaseball because I've been curious but found it very obtuse. I will ask <laughs> those. I will ask that specific process in questions in this interview so that I can tell you. Because let me tell you, I got Perfect. into it and then missed this week's launch. And as, as soon as I opened it up, I went, <laughs> "Nope, <laughs> I have no idea what's fucking happening." Um, but that's nope. fine because that's largely what the game's built on. It's built mm-hmm. on you just going, fuck it, I'll do this. And then, like, a character sure. gets incinerated and a playoff game between gods becomes a peanut god that gets shelled and is actually the god Fortune, who then is killed by another god who takes charge. It's weird. It's weird and incredible. Hell yes. Um, Hell yes. Also, stay tuned to the Nerdy Bits Twitch. In the next couple of days, now that Watch Dogs Legion has added multiplayer, we will be doing a real life and in-game pub crawl through the watchdogs pubs in the game while we drink simultaneously in real life that's uh, funny so we're gonna drive around london in this game and go to bars and drink oh, while we get drunk um so fucking cool that's, fucking <laughs> that's very cool. cool 
So that video games are rad. Get video into games them. are the best. And just speaking off of Jace's point, like we're coming up on a year and not being able to do this for real in person. So we're making we're making do with what we got, and I think this go. will be fun. So be feel free to join us on stream. Pay attention to my Twitter account. We'll talk about it as we get ready to do it. Uh, but feel free to join us and drink with us. It'll be awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back. God, Christ. I'm gonna have to, like, I don't know what I'm gonna have to cut out of this episode, because there's a 40-minute guest interview I recorded as well, so I'll figure it out. Listener, you'll you'll see how I've figured out how to get these two hours and 40 minutes to work together. Yeah. Um, probably gonna cut out Jace's and my conversation about AIDS, uh, culture and move it into its own separate bonus something That was a whole 30-minute conversation that was very... I think that would be... Just be sure that later on, because slightly after that, I went, I went, when Caleb comes on, I was like, we were talking about AIDS! And I said it in, like, a very candy, like, tiny (laughs) moment. I don't think I heard that, but if I had, I don't know if I would have... Yeah, just make sure if you do separate that... Try and get rid of that, because that'll be really fucked up if you... I The like, conversation if... will go up first, so at least I think the context will make some sense. I'll figure I this out. So, because <laughs> I, I, after I said that, I was like, oh, if people don't know me or don't know who I am or what I've just been talking about, that sounds bad. <laughs> I simply have to imagine that this won't be many people's first episode of the show. I don't think most people are like, oh, a community podcast? Ooh, puppet episode. And then all of a sudden, um, here's the resident trans guy, trans person, you know, just being like, hey, it's just not. Hey. <laughs> you could you could argue that someone would turn that on and hear that and then out loud say something like, oh, Lord, no. Bingo. Yay. Yay. Uh, we'll be back next week with a body swap episode and a an episode that tells us that the study group was bonded before they even met. But until then... <laughs> a routine uh, light check and then everything wrong with people trying to remake Ninja Turtles. Uh, fuck <laughs> uh, content, make art, yes. and of course, pop, pop. Pop, pop. Yeah, I like to think of the pop, pop as like a... like. Peace be with like you a, and also like with a, you kind of like moment. A, oosa, oosa. <laughs> Take care of yourself and each other. Pop, pop. pop. And then say it back. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. I have to go to the bathroom so badly, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was legit pop, saying, pop be with I hope you. they make this quick. I have to piss. And then you did it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud Welcome of back you. to Piss Squad. The first time Caleb's ever wanted me to end this early. Yeah, I was song. like, please, God, please, God, make them finish before the whole song. I, I'm going to explode. Thank you, Jace. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Kev, but you didn't earn it the way Jace did this. No, I, no, I, uh, I defy you. I challenge it. (laughs) I make you question it every single week. I threaten you with crow meat. The good news is we won't be talking about WandaVision, so my feelings will be fine until next week when we start talking about. Yeah, and I can fucking tell you right now, we are not making bonus episodes. We're talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We are not making bonus episodes about Falcon Winter Soldier. Guaranteed. Yes, we fucking are. We probably will. No, because I. I'm editing it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not releasing it. <laughs> no. He was like, fuck, I don't... I'll do it for nerdy bits. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. 
All right. Yeah, you can have that. <laughs> okay. Chase is like, go piss. You can make that content. <laughs> you, 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 he actively calls it content because he hates it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, I must bathroom. Where? Where would we go? We can go anywhere that you know. Could we travel through time? Or maybe see France? Or anywhere else naked ladies will dance? Could we fly in a booth? Could we go to church camp? I'd rather stay at Greendale. Could we ride a hot air balloon? Yes! Now that's an adventure. We should go soon. We can go anywhere in a balloon. Yes! That's an adventure. We can go high. We can see anything up in the sky. Yes! Now that's an adventure. Pierce, bring your dentures. We're so thrilled because soon we'll be in a hot air balloon. You want to hear the weirdest thing? Always. So I have this tradition, and I don't know why, but before I record a podcast, and I have um, 200 episodes of my podcast done at this point, just about, I have to be on... I have to yawn before we record every time, no matter what, no matter what time of day. It's like my mm-hmm. body just tells me, like I just yawn twice, and I'm not tired at all. But we're about to record no, the totally. podcast, so it's it's like you're getting it out. Um, and that's yeah, everyone has their own little rituals. I don't have as many uh, for for podcasting, but I think live performances you know you hear about bands or or performers and they had these pre-show rituals and it's just like you're tricking your brain and body into being in the right headspace to do what you're about to do yeah for sure you know yeah i uh, you're playing a dirty trick on your own body yeah i i definitely had those uh when i was doing musicals in high school too i can't i can't remember what they were but i definitely remember doing the exact same thing before we would go on stage every time for sure um or sometimes it was like a group thing or or you just had their own rituals and you would go you know town to town school to school like their department rituals were different but they were always set um yeah. and you could you could go back to your high school and be like uh you know we used to do this when i was uh here and they would go we don't care <laughs> i have no idea what you're referring to and we don't you care. mean nothing to me <laughs> uh who are you um yeah exactly it would be uh it's like every every uh movie or tv show uh, where someone is like, you were a legend at blank university or blank high school. Um, and I, I honestly just find that to be the least realistic plot line. Because I think if you have left a, an educational environment for four years, there's literally no one there who remembers who you were. Yeah, there's no one says no... a single shit about you at all. No one is passing down the lineage <laughs> of a former student. <laughs> Like maybe maybe there's one tall tale if someone like really goofed up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if someone like slammed their nuts in the lunchroom door and it was like a big story or something like that. But after four years, like 
no one no one cares who broke the record or did this like no one cares yeah (laughs) no one remembers who you are i feel like i can shed a little bit into this um because i don't know like the high school that you went to or, or where you grew up from or anything but i went to a very very small high school i think we had like 180 people in our graduating class so we were we were very small we're i was from... i was pretty similar i was only like i was like 250 but yeah. yeah we are the uh the largest county in size in ohio with the smallest population um and there's only huh. one school for the whole county so there are like almost last like families that are sports things um, but like, there's maybe only two people that you could mention that person's name and people in the county would be like, oh yes, I remember when that guy played football, but it's not like in, you know, the trope of wearing your letterman jacket and coming back and the whole town throwing you a parade and, and all this crazy yeah, stuff. Like, absolutely. No one remembers who you are. Like, I, I guess that's a, a bygone era where nobody moved, you yeah. know, like this idea that like you found one place and then you lived there your entire life. Um, and and those living situations have changed a lot, I think, since we were making movies and TV shows where that was the plot. Right. Or um, uh, same thing with jobs. You used to just pick a job, and then that was your job for 50, 60 years, often at the same place. And I feel like our generation has almost completely, like, thrown that in the toilet. Like, most people change jobs and careers all the time now. Yeah, and I hire uh, hire a lot of people. Uh, I directly manage about 50 employees. Um, And when when I was, like, being, you know, brought through this management system and, and, you know, learning the things, they're like, well, you know, when you're looking at resumes and you see a, a long job history, that's a red flag. And then the more that I work in this job, the more I realize that that is just absolute bullshit because people just change jobs now. And that's, and that's a good thing. I think it's good for, you know, your own mental sanity. And I think it's good for the economy. And I think it's good for everything that people are, you know, rotating and competing and, and getting more jobs and stuff now. So yeah, definitely uh, that plus people are, are moving far more than they used to. I think you're absolutely correct. Absolutely. Like even moving within like your own community, I just, and I, and admittedly I'm 28 years old, so I don't know a lot of people that have like set their roots down, but everyone I know is just like bouncing all over the place. And part of that is that no one our age owns <laughs> the property, you yeah. know, like you, you don't come out of high school or come out of college and just own property like right. you used to. Um, and then part of that is like, I think, and I'm sort of psychoanalyzing like an entire generation here, but I think we've like seen our parents and our grandparents do the lifelong living and working thing. And we've, we see how it like didn't pan out for them. Uh, not, (laughs) not to throw an entire generation of parents under the bus, but it's like, oh, we kind of all saw like you did this thing that you were supposed to do this thing that probably worked out pretty okay for their parents, like their, our grandparents, but did not work out for this generation preceding us. And so we're like, why would I stick at this job that I don't like? At least I can move to a different job that I, and it's at least new. It's at least different. And, um, I mean, my wife and I, we, we just bought our house last year. I'm 24. So we're about the same age, but I mean, Oh, well, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, but we, before we lived here, I mean, we bought 
we lived in three different apartments in three different years, and then we've been here for about a year. So, I mean, we, we definitely are bouncing around. And, I mean, the only reason we were able to buy property where we did is just because the cost of living is so cheap. I mean, I think you mentioned – I feel like you somewhere said that you lived in St. Louis. Is that accurate? I lived in St. Louis for uh, seven years, including college. I now live in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, and well, and owning property here – <laughs> yeah, that's a pipe dream to, I mean, to, to we own have like Brooklyn a, property. We have like a 14, 1500 square foot house and we paid 150000 for it, which you would never be able to do that in either St. Louis or Brooklyn. So No, you would yeah. be lucky to like buy 10 square feet. Like you can't, re- you can't get a closet for 150000 right. like purchase. Right. Um, so no, it's absolutely, uh, that's okay. It's different. I mean, you get the benefit of a much, much cheaper cost yes. of living. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there's, there's benefits and trade-offs everywhere, uh, you go, but, uh, let that be a life lesson to all of you out there in, in listener land. Yeah. Listening um, to, listening to me talk about where I live, who you have no idea who I am. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, can, thank you for doxing yourself. You know, we have a lot of, uh, hackers out there in the audience. They're always trying to get people's financial information. They're always writing to me. Like, can you get some guests to like give out their personal information? So I'm glad, I'm glad you could oblige them. Yeah. If I do get interview. hacked, could you leak my financial information and not like all my QAnon uh, folders in my computer, that would be great, because I don't really want that getting out. Trust um, the plan. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, where we go one, we go all. Of, of course. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> How did, uh, I gotta ask you, did you make it to D.C. for Trump's inauguration four days ago? Uh, my lawyer told me not to comment on this. Um, so okay, that was wise. Maybe off air. Okay, cool. You can talk to me about uh, Trump's re-inauguration as the 19th president of the United States. Listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't learn. (laughs) I would encourage you to look it up because it's the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. But don't fall for it. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about is, like, if I'm the guy who, like, brings up QAnon jokingly and I learn that, like, some poor listener, if if Matt that runs the Communities fan account, like, <laughs> fell down a Q rabbit hole because of me, uh, and I know he's listening, um, I would feel, I would feel very bad. Oh, my God. Um, so, so, sorry, Matt. Uh, shout out. Uh, cool. So, this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, um, the guest interview portion uh, and, uh, I, uh, I have with me, uh, a podcast host of, uh, his own right and friend of the show. Welcome Dan Barnes to the show. Yeah, thanks. It, this has been uh, a long time in the making, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to be on here talking to you, talking about my favorite TV show. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been, you've been, uh, you know, we've been, uh, Twitter friends for a while. Yeah, um, and then. Yeah, and then, you know, like, I don't know, a month, few months ago, you know, we made the, the move to DMs, and that's a big step for a, for a Twitter friendship. Yes. Um, and then you uh, requested to guest for uh, the Puppet episode, uh, and before we get into uh, your thoughts on that episode in particular, uh, I want you to tell me a little bit about your community journey, uh, how long you've been with the show and how you came to it. Okay, so I am pretty confident that no one... I'll tell you off-air how I started watching it, actually, just in case. Um, But I discovered it hanging out with my friends. Um, And when I found it, I was probably 20. Um, I had just... Yeah, just quit my first job out of high school. We were all hanging out. And I think this was right when season six was, like, coming out. 
Um, so I was not like a day one or anything of the show. I had never even heard of it. Um, and I was a huge fan of Derek comedy and I loved the movie mystery team, uh, for all of its, all of its terribleness. Um, so my friend once was like, Hey, if you love, you know, Donald Glover, uh, and, and you love Derek comedy and you love mystery team, you should watch the TV show that he's in. And I had no idea that he was in a TV show. Um, so we sit down and we start watching random episodes from season six. And I was like, this is my life now. So, <laughs> so you started with six. I started, I believe the first episode that I ever watched was when Abed saved the baby birds. Wow. And that's and actually a good out. episode. That's a that's not a bad place to start because that's kind of like an interesting yes um, episode. I've never heard that that someone started that deep yep. in uh, and then went back, but I love that. So I watched um, one episode of it, and then as soon as my friends left, I went right back to what I was doing, and I started at season one and just grinded it all the way through. Hell yeah! Uh, I like that your the impetus to watch the show was Donald Glover, and so they showed you. <laughs> episode without Donald Glover. I didn't in even it. think about that till just now, but yes, that's exactly how that <laughs> they're like, watch this Donald Glover show. Here is an episode uh that is about a year after he <laughs> left. But I love that. I respect that. Um and that you were that you were brought in. Um I mean who who could not be roped in by an episode that's about Jim Rash and Keith David and, yes. and Ken Jong. Oh. Um that's a murderer's row. Yeah, That's I, a, I believe a, I was watching it. I was like, the hangover guy is in this? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, wild, wild cast of people who already had been like somewhat notorious or would become so uh, right thereafter. Um, yeah, okay, well, excellent. Thank you for uh, sharing that with so me. That brings me to my question before you before you move on to the next one, because I actually Please do. want to ask you, have you seen Mystery Team before? Yes. Um, I saw it. It for a while. It was like one of the only things available on Netflix when it was called Netflix Instant. When when it was not default Netflix. Um, it when it when the streaming service was like just coming out. I was entering college in two thousand. Yeah, when DVD Netflix was the default. Um, and and Instant was the new idea. So this is like twenty eleven for all you kids out there. Um, and mystery team was like one of the only things on there. And I was like a huge community fan. And then entering college is where I like, I had known Derek comedy because like it was YouTube in 2006. So yeah, like, course. if you didn't know Derek comedy, there wasn't a lot else <laughs> to yeah. that of, of quality. There was a lot of things on there, but like Derek comedy was one of the few and the, those videos look ancient. Now, oh yeah. They're, they're shooting on. Uh, they're shooting on like a horrible digital camera and they're in a box with like the website name at the bottom <laughs> of every sketch. Uh, but I don't know. They're still fucking funny to me. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can watch the, the new student, uh, sketch a thousand times and laugh That's every time. Pants, isn't it? That's the principal poops. <laughs> I, I would never do anything. Pants. To hurt your trust. Like poop in my pants. <laughs> Right. Uh, and Donald would use that same beautiful crying ability in basically every episode of Community. Yes. Uh, yes. He's one of the great comedic criers of our age. Um, he doesn't seem interested in that skill set anymore uh, when he writes for himself. But boy, he could do it. He, he could. He's my go-to. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Keyboard kid. Oh God, keyboard kid. Uh, now I'm just. I might have to. I might be going down a Derek comedy rabbit hole this very evening. Uh, just revisiting some old faves. Spelling bee. Um, yeah. There's a lot. There's so much to love there. Uh, but yes, I saw Mystery Team and I liked it. I thought it was a funny uh, little movie. It is my guilty pleasure movie. I love that movie. I could. I could probably quote that movie. I've seen it so many times. I own it on DVD. It's beautiful. And I, I love uh, the the spirit of, like, truly independent comedy movies where you're like, they had zero dollars. <laughs> they, they had no money to make this movie, but they did it anyway. Uh, Foot Fist Way is another, like, movie, like a zero-budget comedy movie. I guess the big one, you might even be a little young, but Napoleon Dynamite was, I've like... Seen Napoleon Dynamite. But it was, like, gigantic. Like, were you... Because I was in, like, sixth grade uh, when Napoleon Dynamite Fever was sweeping the nation. Vote for Pedro shirts were were everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have a Napoleon Dynamite story when you finish your thought. uh, That was it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I remember the first time I watched Napoleon Dynamite, I was in middle school. I cannot remember the year. Um, And I had never seen the movie, but I remember that we were at a church lock-in, which if you're not familiar with this, um, as someone that grew up in in, uh, the Christian faith, uh, they would put us, they would lock us in this church, which thinking back on it now, lock-ins are kind of really fucking weird, but they would- They're very (laughs) weird. (laughs) But they- It's- (laughs) There was like a bunch of us little kids locked in this church with this youth pastor and, and someone else in the group convinced him to let us watch napoleon dynamite and he had never seen this movie um so we all watched napoleon dynamite and that was the first time i had ever seen it wow uh you know i actually think that is part of the reason for napoleon dynamite's like gigantic success is that it was like pg like it was this weird alt comedy thing but it was completely appropriate for spaces like a church youth group like there's hardly anything a youth pastor would find objectionable. I guess, like, Jared Hess did not have any of his characters, you know, speak specifically about Christ, but there's also nothing in there that's, like, objectionable to a Midwestern church. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was uh, It was a very odd time, and I, I that memory's been buried, so thanks for pulling that one out, actually. Absolutely. You're absolutely welcome. I've been to many church lock-ins in my time. Um, and they are a fascinating beast. Uh, on my other uh, podcast, the Puffin Publishing Podcast, which is an improvised comedy pod, we did a whole, like our second anniversary special was a Bible special, and half of it was set at a church lock-in. Uh, oh, just, I'm going to need to we, look into this. We rung all the comedy you could. Uh, I will say that some of it hasn't aged as well. Um, you know, you, you know, uh, uh, it was, it was a different time, <laughs> uh, but, um, it, 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 yeah, it was half set in a church lock-in and half set in the Bible. Uh, so ch- <laughs> check it out, um, for anyone, anyone out there, but, uh, let, back to community momentarily, uh, if we dare. Um, so you specifically requested the uh, episode we're talking about here today, Intro to Felt Surrogacy. I don't know how you feel about the Christmas episode that we're also talking about, but you specifically wanted to nail in on uh, the infamous Community Puppet episode. And I, the floor is yours to speak about why this one calls to you so, so desperately. So, um, 
part it, it's a few different reasons. I think part of it is I feel like I have to be the season four defender because Twitter just hates it. So I feel like someone in the room has to be like, it's not that bad. Like, of course, it's the worst season, but it's it could be worse. Like, you know, th- there's still funny jokes. And I feel like this is one of those episodes where if this episode, t- if this exact same episode took place in in season two or season three, it'd be immensely more popular than it is. Um, just because I feel like since it's in season four, it gets a really bad rap. Um, and, and to your point, I really like the uh, Christmas episode as well. I think it's a very well put together episode. Um, but the, the intro to Felt Surrogacy, I feel like it's the best episode in season four. Um, all of the jokes, I, I, they all really land. I love all the little songs. Um, everything that they bring up when they're having their hallucinations around the fire, um, I like all all of them for each character's story uh so i I very much enjoyed the episode and i am a little scared because at the end of last week when you guys said that you were talking about this episode this week everybody seemed to groan a little bit and this is my episode man so (laughs) i you know uh i the listener has just heard at least an hour of me talking about this episode um and i'm what has happened consistently throughout um these last few runs of season four is that I come in usually pretty positive and, and then sort of get talked down a little bit. Um, but you know, uh, history of dance placed very well. Like I am, I am also somewhat of a season four defender. Yeah. I think it, it should be acknowledged. It is the worst season of community, but it's still community. Right. Um, my issue with this season is that even the bad episodes of Community Season 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, even, like, the worst of those episodes are still, like, weird in a fascinating way. Like, even the ones that don't work of my beloved Season 6. There are a few in there that I'm like, this doesn't quite come together. But all of them are still fascinatingly strange or have just like some transcendent moment of of comedy or or uh, or strangeness and that's just lacking from season four in its worst episodes like you just watch the inspector space time episode or the uh history of the german invasion and you're like i just there's nothing (laughs) i'm not i'm not getting anything back from this yeah for me my feelings about season four is I feel like there's no episodes that I just like if they come up on my Netflix queue, if I'm just watching the show to go to sleep and that episode plays that I'm just like, whatever about like to me, season four, see every episode is either. I do not want to watch this. I'm not going to do it. Or I go out of my way to watch that episode. Like for example, um, the PEE episode, I thought it was a very, very good episode. Um, I thought it was a lot better than uh, what, what, how you guys felt about it. That's, that's, it's very high on my list of favorites, probably in like the twenties um, of the whole series. Of the whole series, yes. I, I wow. read the CE episodes, so I could care less or could not care less about the Archie storyline. Very easily willing to to you know surrender that. Um, but I feel like the B or I, I mean, there's like a, a B C and D plot. So I feel like it's a very good and and the purpose of they gave every single character something to do that actually made sense and was nice um the mm-hmm. the the troy and the shirley thing was was great i loved that 
Um, and, and I think season four tries to do a lot of that. Um, my biggest take about season four, and this is something we'll never know, is when they started, it was, you know, post Dan Harmon. So everything's going to change. I believe the Russo brothers were out for season four as well. Then they, they finish up in season three, right? Yeah, they're out about halfway through season three. Yeah. Because uh, Feige is a big community fan. And so he taps them and says, like, do Captain America. Yeah. Um, and then Joe Russo comes back for a couple episodes of season five. Um, but Anthony never comes back. So the Russos are yeah. basically gone after. And that's a big After change. season three. And I Absolutely. feel like. I feel like if season four was. 22 episodes long uh like the other seasons uh i mean one we probably wouldn't have a season five and six but i feel like by the end of season four they really would have hit a stride and the show would be or that season would be a lot better um because i i do feel like towards the end um you get some episodes that are that are pretty solid like the pe episode i feel is nice intro to felt surrogacy i love this episode um of course that's why i specifically requested for it um I don't mind entry to knots. The Freaky Friday episode was cute, um, and then the the Abed's origin story was nice as well. So I feel like they did put together some decent episodes right at the end there. And maybe if they would have got seven more to play with, they could have put together something really good. Um, but I, I'm not going to pretend like there's not a lot about season four that was awful. You know, they they do try to do some racy things that don't land. The the Troy and the Britta plotline is awful. Um, they have probably the worst two or three episodes in the whole series in the season as well. So, well, I do feel there is a lot of bad. I just, I think there's a lot of good that doesn't get talked about enough. Absolutely. I think, you know, a common parlance is that season four, if it were the first season of a different TV show, we would be like, oh, this is a good, interesting TV show. And but unfortunately yeah. it comes after seasons one through three of Community. Yeah. And uh, they were in a no-win situation. I don't think there's anything they could have done that would satisfy all that was being asked of them between Sony and NBC, between, quote-unquote, the fans, uh, between what the actors were requesting. Like, there was no win situation that this show could come out of. And I agree that this second half, even the episodes that I don't find, like, as effective as they could be are still like, no, these are good episodes. They are reaching for something. They are trying something dynamic and and new. Uh, the, the Heroic Origins episode, which I don't much care for, but I'm like, you didn't have to go this hard with like the comic panel transitions right. and, and all these. Like, in the second half, the finale excluded. At least they're always trying something new and different, and that's when it starts to feel like community again. Right. The finale is terrible. I agree with you. That that is really cool. deeply bad. Very very <laughs> a hard watch. Like... And the first, I was watching season four as it was coming out, and like I had been very lenient to this season. I was like reviewing it at the time on like a WordPress blog. I was talking about it with my friends that liked the show, um, and. I I was just so <laughs> devastated for that season four finale. It's just irredeemable. It's really really bad. Yeah, um, it's it's tough. It is just like ugh. <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, yeah, but you know, I I, I just 
I love the songs and the and I'm just gonna like just go right back to the episode that we're talking about here. I love the songs and I love the cute little Muppets talking. Also, Jim Rash is incredible in this episode. He's very good. He's I think Jim this episode. Jim is the most skilled in the entire cast of like he makes something out of everything. Yeah. He you can give him anything and he will spin it into something funny. Like the the very end of the episode where he's like, uh, I fix everybody's problems, but once again, I go home alone. And then you just see the little Jeff puppet curling. And like the way he like bites his lip and looks at it, it kills me every time. <laughs> Jim is the fucking best. <laughs> he can just, he can do no wrong. Um, oh, and what's, what's that line at the beginning where he's like, just let me get that thing out of your hand that's definitely not a whip. <laughs> not a whip? Uh, and I think that line on its own is like, you know, ugh, <laughs> but Jim just makes it fucking sing. Like he can, he yeah. can just turn, uh, anything into fucking golden thread. He can spin it all. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am talking to you. I, we record the episode proper tomorrow. I, I am coming into the Puppets episode pretty positive. Cause like, I don't know if we're grading on the season four scale, this episode has puppets and songs. Two yes, things I like. Two great <laughs> like, Yeah, if I'm putting this up against, like, the season four premiere, I'm like, oh, this is going to blow it out of the water. This has puppets and songs. Yes. Uh, there's there's elements of it that quibble with me, but it's, it's um, I don't know, at least it has that. <laughs> I love when they're, um, they're singing, like, their regular not lines, and it's, oh, and they also got Chevy Chase to sing in this. That's a big Which he thing. Barely even does in the other episodes of Community that are that require him to sing. Yeah, <laughs> we know? got him. They got him. Um, but I do love how they're all like singing it like the casual tone, like the flow of the episode, and then Donald Glover just comes out and belts these notes about setting a forest on fire. Like... Uh, <laughs> they they really let you have the the Community cast members that can just sing it. Yeah. That can just do the dang thing. Uh, Shirley, of course, Yvette, uh, Allison, and and Donald just really stand head and shoulders above the pack here. Uh, they got pipes. That's why the Glee episode's my favorite holiday episode. It's, be it's because mean, they really get to show off them pipes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the spoilers for our rankings. The puppet episode won't <laughs> probably no, won't defeat the Glee episode. Uh, but it, I, I hope... It and it shouldn't. Yeah. It's, but I hope because there's nothing as like transcendently funny in the puppet episode as right. uh, s silly Christmas baby, like Alice and Bree's uh, dance number in that episode. There's nothing in here as good as that, unfortunately. I am trying to. I, I want to give a prediction of where I think this is going to fall, um, but sure. I'm trying to pull up your rankings. This is horrible podcasting. But I no, go I feel for like it. It's end on on the podcast page no it is not it's if you go into the if you find like our most recent episode um i could also just like shoot you that google drive link as long as you promise not to do any meddling i might put cartoon penises in it oh just, well you know that's fine just kidding i won't <laughs> do that, but. just don't mess with the rankings no, uh yeah i just put it in the skype chat if you want to just open up like yeah, the google doc do that. let me just look Mm -hmm. So the by the time we are done ranking uh, these two episodes, we will have ranked 81 
episodes of Community. Um, and as of this recording, season four has a uh, 67.75 average, which is <laughs> not excellent. <laughs> um, so the the best season four episode is is Herstory of Dance. Am I seeing that right? So is, far, yeah. So far. Number 43. And that, I feel, is probably the ceiling, but... I would guess that this episode is going to be probably between aerodynamics of gender and celebrity pharmacology. I think that, I think that's going to be my guess. That's probably pretty accurate. Okay, so you're at 46-47. That's, that feels about right. I think you're pretty close, if not exact in that in that zone uh listeners you already know whether or not yes. that's and uh true i personally would probably put it um like if this was my own rankings and you just handed me this and said i'm in charge of your podcast now i mm. would put it below football feminism and you but above documentary filmmaking redux that's where i would put this whoa up. top 25 just cracking it, it would be just in the top 25 and i think i was wrong i do not think the pe episode would make my top 30 i think it would it would fall more in the 40s there is i am again somewhat of a season four defender uh, you'd have to go pretty far down on my own personal rankings to get to the first season four episode. Uh, Herstory could possibly get into the top 30, but I, I would find that doubtful if you asked me to Hey, that's to rank. okay, man. Everybody yeah. can enjoy in their show, you know? Absolutely, right. It's <laughs> We're not beholden to anyone uh, but unfortunately, our rankings are indeed scientific and accurate uh, and cannot yeah. be questioned in any way. <laughs> uh, uh, I, this... You guys are spot on with Fiddler Please as the number one in tag, though. Oh, my God. It cannot be dethroned. Never. I can. I, I won't. I don't even know what could dethrone it. Uh, although the season, as much as I love Donald and Danny, Abed and Troy, um, when Donald leaves and the end tags become bananas, just like the weirdest uh, things you've ever seen. Dude, I think a few of those are going to rank very high for me personally. I hope Portuguese Portuguese Gremlins is top 10 because that is so Portu funny. It's my oh personal my top gosh. 10. Oh it my God. Did. Portuguese Gremlins, so uh, the Yakuza Origins, yes. <laughs> the Coogler movie trailer, oh, uh, the final, uh, the, the series finale tag with the board game, uh, just bananas stuff. And it's, uh, those are going to kill for me. I'm, I'm going to fight Kevin. for those tooth and nail. Cause I love them so dearly. I, uh, I will be cheering for you. The one thing that like shocked me is I couldn't believe that let's be Splingles was that you guys didn't think that was as funny. Well, I guess you did. You actually really like this episode, but, um, um, I like that episode and that tag. Like that tag that much, but I think that tag is so funny. Oh, I, I love it. such a funny tag. Where is you it have it at twenty nine? I think yeah, twenty nine. Twenty nine is pretty good. Yeah, there's that is really good. It, it's so there's easy. eighty of these damn things. It's so easy. That's very true. It's so easy to to see a number and think that's very low, without like, and then realizing there's eighty episodes. There's 80 episodes, and sometimes I'm like, how could it be possible that Beginner Pottery is 37? I'm like, how does that even make sense? And then I look at what's above Beginner Pottery, and I'm like, nah, checks out. 
<laughs> uh, no, afraid. afraid I do that sometimes uh, when, I'm, when I'm looking at these, or or when you guys will like talk about it in the episode. I'll, I'll I'll see it and be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, I'm like, it sounds wrong, but then you look at it and you're like, nah, context <laughs> context is everything. Um, absolutely. Uh, cool. So we uh, are coming to the end of our session here. Uh, but this was a darn fun time. Now is the time where you can plug uh, anything that you would like. Uh, I do have that, but my, my question for you, Kevin, that I've been saving for mm. this whole episode. Oh, my goodness. The one unanswered community thing that I have. What does Jeff do for money? That is a good question. Because um, season one, I think you can say he had savings from being a lawyer or whatever until he's living. Although, his yeah, they pretty early on address like he is running out of money and has to like leave his his condo and, and right. is living in his car. But Drew Carey offers him a job, but he clearly doesn't accept it because he had no idea the dude died. So, like, what is, where does this money come from? Dang, you're right. In the season three finale, yeah. he has we no learned that Drew Carey died. <laughs> we learned that Drew Carey was eaten by sharks and, and he was completely unaware. Yeah. Oh, that. That wrenches the entire thing that I had going. Yeah. Cause I think I think he did consult for a while. But he obviously Unless it like just happened. Well, I don't think You know what I I don't know, but I mean like even if it just happened logically thinking, like, one, he'd have to quit that job. And why would you quit that job when you were about to get your degree? And two, that's I mean, the owner of your firm dying by being eaten by sharks, I feel like is something that someone would put on their Facebook page. You and put a just, you send out the mass text. You yeah. <laughs> send like, out the email blast. Yeah, so that one gets me. And then but like in season um I can't remember what season it was off the top of the dome, but in the episode where they do uh, my dinner with Abed, he pays uh -huh. Britta's boss like two grand for the night and he does it like it's nothing. So it's like, Absolutely. where is this money coming from? Right. And in season four, he has a very nice apartment that yes. they do the, the Christmas episode in. I mean, my true answer is that it is a sitcom, and I just cannot concern myself with how anyone pays for anything. That is the true answer, but that's not fun. But um, I feel like they cover the rest. Like, everybody else they talk about. Like, they go out of their way to to point out that Annie saved money her whole life. Troy and Abed, they're college kids, so they have student loans. Britta, you know, is, I mean, like, kind of like white trash the whole series. Um, she she has various like waitressing jobs, yeah. and then Pierce um, is rich. So Jeff's yeah, the Pierce only is one rich. they don't address. That's true. Shirley becomes an entrepreneur. Um, so boy, if you get I mean, the answer, I, can you let me know? I absolutely, <laughs> if I crack this code, because I thought the legal consultancy thing was the answer, but now you're telling me. That because he does he accepts it in accounting for lawyers the episode with Drew Carey he says like no I'm going to do it so, but at some point he must break that tie yeah <laughs> and I don't... it would it would have to be long enough away that if your boss was eaten by sharks none of your old coworkers would tell you would think to to mention it yes um uh, I'm gonna have to watch that episode again and see if there's like a clue in there that we're both missing that it's like no he is there. Um, hmm, 
this is tough because he starts his own law firm and becomes a teacher. So that's how he does it later. Yeah. Hmm. Well, fuck. And if you find <laughs> out, let me know. That's all I want to know. <laughs> I will let you know. But um, I will absolutely. plug my uh, Twitter now if you want. Please. Um, so I am the host of the Coast to Coast uh, College Football Podcast. Um, so it's sports related, nothing related to TV or anything. You know, you can check it out or not. I, I really just did this to, to hang out and talk about community. But my, my Twitter handle is at uh, CCS Dan Barnes. Um, you know, follow me if you like football and aggressively progressive retweets. You love to see it. Uh, and thank you uh, for joining me uh, here on the show. If you ever need someone that doesn't know anything about college football, uh, you just let me know. Yeah, I mean, we, um, in the summer, what we like to do is we like to bring in, like, all kinds, like, we had someone from The Voice come on last year, uh, oh, then cool. I found out that person was, like, a huge Trumper later, and that was, like, kind of weird, but, uh, we had, we had someone from The Voice come on, so we, we like to bring people from different things to, like, talk about their stuff, and, and your work is, is awesome, Kevin, so I would love to have you come on, uh, you know, talk about your Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Van, uh, YouTube skit, anything that you do, I would, I would, we'll, we'll definitely have to do that. We'll, we'll figure something out. Thank you. And um, if you have a right. guest host, if someone's gone and you need a fill-in, hit that DMs. I'll be on. This has been a Talk Back Podcast. That was quite a show. Very entertaining. Please tell your friends about this show. Boopy doopy doop boop sex. Larry, I'm on DuckTales.